Boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, lads and lasses, and those that don't describe their gender, welcome to the Pot of the Dragon podcast. I am your host, Lee, and guess what? Making his triumphant return to the Pot of the Dragon podcast after missing the review podcast. He is back in the flesh. I think I have him, Spencer. Are you there? I am here. I'm very disturbed. Very disturbed that we published material that only had your opinion on it. Correct. That's that's what happens when you say I can't do the podcast. I did, in fact, do the podcast alone. <laughs> I um, apparently espoused an opinion that you did not agree with. Did you did not like? Did you listen to it? I have not listened to it. No, did. of course he didn't. So uh, I basically just said I really liked the pod, or I really liked the episode. Um, I was very positive about it. You have since uh, on text thrown cold water all over that, but we will get into that and much much more here on Pod of the Dragon, where we will review episode five of HBO's House of the Dragon, episode titled We Like the Way. Our segments will include a recap led by me. I will go beat by beat through the episode. We will talk about lines, dynamics, scenes, episode, acting, everything as we go through the recap. And then we'll jump into our segments where we do best line of the episode. I and I alone am emperor best line of the episode. Spencer, however, loyal Lord Leash subject that he is, will supply me with plenty of options to select. And then we will go into a little segment I call Is Game of Thrones back? I think with the ratings and the cultural phenomenon of House of the Dragon, this segment might be getting stale, but I'm going to continue it at least for the next couple episodes. And then we will do, we will cut off the episode, meaning we will say goodbye to all the sweet summer children, all of the people who do not want to be spoiled for anything that goes on in the books or is to be expected later on in this series. And we will go into a spoiler only section where Spencer will talk a little bit of book to show changes. Spencer, anything you want to add before we get rolling on this episode? No, I think we got a plan. I also agree with you then. I think you texted me that 29 million people watched the episode or something along those lines. Or was it was even more than that. Yeah, the ratings just continue to go up. I think, I think internationally, I think the HBO number is something like 29 or 30 million. And I think domestically it's gotten up to like 13 or 14 million. So it's basically where season eight Game of Thrones was. Which no time's passed at all. Which I know sounds fucking insane, but it really has. And like, you know, my, I don't know, man, I I see it everywhere. I see people, um, talking about the show, super excited about it. Seems to be a cultural phenomenon, Spencer. (laughs) In a way that I don't think either of us even aspired to, much less expected. We were hoping they're like, you know, you know, by, you know, season three of the show, it will, it'll be up somewhere around where uh, Game of Thrones was at its height. We weren't expecting that by episode three that that would come to bear. Uh, it, you know, it's been a delight. Uh, we could debate. We will still debate whether Game of Thrones is back because it is fun. I like taking the light out of your eyes to a certain degree. But it, as you say, it's going to be a little bit hard for me to argue reasonably that the show isn't already starting to have that kind of cultural zeitgeist once again. Absolutely, people love people love Martin. I'm telling you, it's, it's actually even beating. Rings of power both domestically and internationally, which is kind of surprising because of the built-in audience of Tolkien internationally. I mean, Tolkien is so, yeah, and Amazon has a bigger streaming platform, but people really love that. I mean, I don't know if you've seen Rings of Power, but I, I think it's pretty good. But I think that this show is just the way that they're flying through this story and the way, like, I, I love that they pick something that Martin has already written. Mm-hmm. So um, they're able to go quickly to the story beats in a really exciting way. So I think that's probably what's driving it. But yeah, super exciting show, uh, super exciting uh, viewership records and ratings right now. So let's jump into the recap if you if you want to do that. Damn straight. All right. So lots of Allison in the flashback. No surprise there. A lot of your girl, your favorite character, Allison Hightower. How could she not be after this episode? This was her episode of the show. Yeah, and then. Um, 
Yeah, and then we get the intro, which you love, your favorite intro. You still hate the intro, Spencer? Has not improved my mind whatsoever. Driven by the fact, has it changed at all yet? No, they're not going to change it. And they didn't, they weren't But they're having children! They're having children! It it should change. There are further lines going off of the blood. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think they may. Maybe they will. Maybe the, maybe when the children start coming, maybe they will. I don't know. Um, I will say this uh, about Allison Hightower. <clears throat> I'm going to read a tweet that I want everybody to hear because I believe it perfectly sums up my position on Allison Hightower. All right. You ready? Please. If Allison has a million haters, I'm one of them. If she has a hundred haters, I'm still one of them. If she has one hater, it's me. <laughs> if he has zero, if she has zero haters, I am dead. If the world is with Allison, then I am against the world. Was this you? Are you reading your own tweet right now? Absolutely not. This is someone at at Starless Gold that I found. And I was like, ah, I retweeted. I said, this perfectly sums up my position on Allison. So that's what I'm thinking about going into what is going to be a big Allison episode. I mean, we've talked before. The show is trying very, very hard. I think rather adeptly to make the Greens more sympathetic than a lot of us who had a certain built-in knowledge expected. I think they are succeeding in that regard. It will be very curious to see, once we get deeper into the meat of the show, how much that continues to land. So we start with the episode. We cut to a castle. We didn't really know what that castle was. It is Runestone, but we didn't mm-hmm. know We didn't know that when we first saw it. And then we see Lady Rhea. What would you think of Lady Rhea? Do you think she was uh, worse looking than Sheep, Spencer? I mean, what, what, did, you, what did you think there? I Lady Rhea, in the very brief, almost short film that we had of her, uh, came across as beautiful and compelling in equal measure in a way that I almost wish that we'd gotten to see her and Damon's betrothal at some point in the past in a little flashback to spend more time with her. I liked her quite a bit from just the probably two minutes of screen time we got of her before she is very rudely exited stage left. Yeah, I mean, she's gorgeous. I think her husband, her, her cousin might have a little bit of a crush on her, too. I got that that impression. It's, um, it's a song of ice and fire. That would be a, an unusual if they didn't. But it seems like... The problem is that she's just someone willing to tell Damon to fuck himself. Like, that's really the issue here. That is A, she isn't platinum blonde, willowy, and looking exactly like Rhaenyra. That's always gonna, always gonna hurt her to a certain degree. That hurts everybody, by the way. That's a knock on every, every other person. (laughs) In Damon's mind in particular. If you're not a Targaryen, you are lesser. That's where Damon's coming from. And otherwise, I fully agree. She is a person that seems to not have the ability to not call him on his shit. They're, she looks like she's immediately starting an argument that they probably had the second day they met each other. Yeah, she's out to find deer apparently because she meets her husband, her cousin. I keep saying husband, cousin, who asks her if she wants company. I'd rather lie, ride alone, she says very uh, brusquely, and that—that's what made me think that maybe the cousin annoys her, want to be around her, et cetera, et cetera. I don't or, know. Maybe I'm reading or just into her that. general personality type to be a somewhat brusque with those around her. Yeah, she could be could be a bit of a jerk, but I don't know. I, I got the impression he was a little bit starstruck. Uh, beautiful drone shots of her riding. I think the importance of those drone shots is to show you that she's a very adept, skillful rider. I think that's what they're trying to show you is that she's very comfortable on a horse. Mm-hmm. She comes upon a cloak figure. Is that Damon Targaryen's music? That's right, ladies and gentlemen. The heel has arrived in the building. Right away. Where, wearing his best, I am, wearing his best, I am a Sith outfit, as apparently as he's moving through the veil. Uh, yes. Let the hate flow over you. Um, <laughs> right away, she knows who it is. Husband. And, uh, she asks what brings him to the veil. Here's a quote. Have you at last come to consummate our marriage? The veil sheep might be willing, even if I'm not. Our sheep are prettier, after all. So she clearly got word of what he'd said at the small council meeting. It's interesting how word travels. That he said this at a small council meeting. 
And well, well, let me let me back up. One of two things. He said this at a small council meeting and word just travels such that she heard about it. Or he's just been saying this so much that it's just everywhere. So it's one of two things. But either way, she's clearly gotten the message that he's going around telling everybody that the sheep are prettier than the women at the Vale. I fully expect that he told this to their parents when he was originally betrothed. I'm, I'm, I'm suspecting he's been busting around this line for years now. He's probably said this line directly to her face. Or perhaps your brother, finally, at last, has had his fill of your company. Ooh, that hurts. Cast mm. you aside in favor of a little girl. Damon says nothing, but does approach the horse. She asks him what he'll do. What will you do now? Will you strike the child down? Or, and then she seems to sense that she might be in physical danger. She looks at him. She gets worried. Scene gets tense. She goes to grab her weapon. The horse rears up. I think we see Damon make a motion to the horse. Not super clear what happens here. She falls backward. The horse lands on her. It's clear that she broke her back or or something along those lines. She's clearly very hurt. Damon walks up to her, puts but I'll finish the recap and then I'll ask you here, but Damon walks up to her, puts his foot on her forearm as she walks away, she says, I knew you couldn't finish, Craven. He then grabs a rock, walks back over, and uh clearly gonna bash her head in. End of scene. Spencer, what do you think what happened there with the horse? It's it wasn't clear, but it seemed like what was implied was that Damon came up on the horse rapidly and caused it to start spook and then rear back. Um, and that he, you know, drove it to throw her off and on her as it did. That he did something along those lines to make the horse start and throw her off. As we can do. I, so you think Damon murdered her? I saw people debating this online of where, ah, uh, you know, she just accidentally herself caused the horse to start when she went for a weapon real quick and then Damon, you know, just kind of played along with it. I don't see that. Damon was wearing his Sith outfit. He appeared pointedly at that place in the Vale at that time when she's there. His goal was to kill her. I, I, I have very few doubts on that. I think he purposely caused her horse to rear and start, purposely caused her to then be injured as a result, and then caved her head in with a stone thereafter um, to just, you know, finish the deal. That was my way of interpreting the scene. Did you have any other, did you have any, you know, contrary thoughts? I, well, that's what I thought happened in the book. But in the book, it's a Falconry accident, they call it. Uh, but I thought Damon it's killed off screen, her. yeah. I thought Damon killed her in the book. I, um, I went into this thinking Damon was going to kill her, but the way that they blocked and shot the scene, like, I was like, why didn't they make it more clear that he had, like, cause the horse does seem to rare rear up without him doing anything and then you see him motion which very easily could be him trying to bring the horse's horse down mm-hmm. like i mean from what just what i see right now i'm not talking about what we already know about david just what i see on screen and then the horse falls backwards onto her so i don't know i think they left it purposely ambiguous i think you could take one or two tacks here you can take the spencer tact which is damon murdered his wife um which he did regardless the well, her head with the stone happened regardless of what occurred before that. Well, the second one is that she fell over, she broke her back, and and the bashing the head in was at her request and was sort of like a mercy killing type thing. Uh, that's that's a very generous read, right? But I think he, it can go one of two ways. I don't think we really know. Uh, I don't think it made, made it perfectly clear. He, he certainly, from Damon's perspective, benefits from her death, as we see later. This is a basis of power without having to deal with the complication of her. Uh, so if you want to say this was purely happenstance, then this is falling into a long line of events that people have been, that Damon has been claiming were just happenstance, that people are looking at with slanted eye going, sure, yeah, 
he just fell out of an open window. I'm sure that's what happened. Yeah, you 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 seem to take the the stance Viserys takes when Viserys gets the news about this. Like they sort of uh what? Um, <laughs> like 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 Russian oligarchs dying left and left by accident lately. This is the same way I'm viewing uh, the way Lady Royce's death right now. Uh, I had nothing to do with that comment. Just so the internet knows. Cut to a Targaryen <laughs> ship, and uh, but when he when he has the rock, it cuts immediately to someone butchering a fish, which I thought was like. I don't know. I thought it was sort of a juvenile cut. I didn't really like the cut. Um, then we see the kid. Go ahead. I actually, this is one of the things of where I like the, I like the actress they brought in for the role when it's a fine enough scene in its own right. But given how much territory they have to cover later, I kind of felt this entire opening scene was a bit of an unnecessary short film. Because it doesn't necessarily connect to anything. We could have purely just had the conversation off camera and then have Damon be confronted by the cousin later without losing that much. We would have had an extra three minutes of screen time to do with other things, which I think could have helped a few scenes later. So, this this felt like a scene they could have reasonably left on the editing room floor, but kept in anyway. I like that they kept it because I like that they give us visual confirmation of the that, theory. That no, that his wife was fine. Like, oh, his sure, wife yeah. was like. I'm glad that we got her on screen. She was awesome. She was beautiful like this was all in damon's stupid crazy head that she was a terrible ugly woman like she's not any of those things i'm glad we got visual representation of that the, as far as seeing her death on screen I, I i could have gone without that i'm with you there cut to a targaryen ship and we see the king getting seasick um or is he just sick anyway we'll see later on in the episode it seems like they're going with the idea that the king is basically going to be in some stage of slowly rotting and dying for the next 15 years. This is just how Viserys is going to live now. Yeah, he has leprosy. So he literally is doing exactly that. That's exactly it. Um, the, Have they actually I, confirmed the word leprosy? Yes. Know. Yes. Okay. So um, I, I covered this on the podcast that you weren't on and didn't listen to. So I just want to make that clear. Um, so, yeah, the actor, Patty Constantine and Ryan Condal both said, yes, he has leprosy. That's the, And they want you to know that because they're probably not going to use that word because that's not a known disease in that world. Hmm. But leprosy is a slow, very slow-moving bacteria that creates massive open sores on your body that eventually you die from an infection. Permanent nerve um, damage. Nerve damage. A lot of people, because of the nerve damage, end up cutting their fingers and toes to the point that they have to get them amputated. Um, uh, we, uh, Baldwin the Fourth, who was the king of, of Jerusalem, Jer- king of Jerusalem, known as the Leper King, he actually had sores around his face such that he couldn't close his eyes and that caused his corneas to dry up and he went blind. So that can happen too. So a lot of, a lot of physical manifestations of this disease, but it's super slow growing. Like Mm -hmm. leprosy takes a long time. Sometimes it takes 20 years from when you're infected to get actual signs and then can take another 20 to die. So the fact that the king doesn't just fall over dead from this is not really a surprise, but they want you to know it's leprosy because they're probably not going to say that word and they want you to know it's a real, he has a real physical problem here, right? This isn't just like, um, them sort of playing on this idea that the throne kills the king. It's like, no, he's sick. He's really mm-hmm. sick. It, it also having a slow acting condition that has profound physical effects and makes the king appear particularly weak and decrepit and also an increasingly mo- mobile corpse or immobile corpse. It fits in well to the tension between our respective factions that are competing for what the succession will be because they're on pins and needles as to when that trigger is going to be pulled. 
The king looks like he's dying. The king is in some ways in the act of dying for years. And so they can never really, you know, put their foot off the brakes because it could happen tomorrow, it could happen in 20 years, as Otto lays out, lays out in this episode. But at some point, they have to be prepared for the idea that a succession crisis is going to occur, and where will their position be? Which is exactly the problem that they had with Baldwin IV. Because Baldwin IV, Mm -hmm. he became king at a very, very young age. I think he died at like 22. So he died young too. But when he became king, there were so many signs that he probably had for leprosy, but they didn't really have another choice as far as he would be king of Jerusalem. So they made him king, right? And his entire reign, he was by all accounts a great king, but his entire reign was on this knife's edge that Viserys is on right now. I think they're, I think they're drawing a very like, serious historical parallel here because Mm -hmm. Baldwin was constantly trying to figure out the succession because he knew he could die at any moment. Everyone around him knew, knew that as well. So just like, and and Otto gives voice to that later, right? When he tells Allison, like, Hey, he can die at any point. So I think that tension is just another thing they want the viewers to know. They're not shying away from the fact he's very sick. He has leprosy. They want you to know it. The new hand, Lionel strong hands him a napkin. First, first duty that we see the new hand take is giving he him a wet well. nap. Bravo! For, he's batting a hundred, batting a hundred percent so far. I think we can say. Rhaenyra and Kristen Cole see the king getting sick. Cole is steadying Rhaenyra, and then we see them look out, and they are looking at Driftmark. So we get to see Driftmark for the first time on screen. The castle seat of House Valerian, particularly the Sea Snake. High tide. Cut to King's Landing, and it's raining. Otto's at the gates. And then we see Alicent walk up to him. I do not wish to see you go, she says. Otto says it's the king's decision. She says she regrets the decision, Otto, and yet you made it possible. So um I got I kinda got this sense in this scene, Spencer, that Otto is mad at the start yeah. of the scene, and he then sees his daughters in pain. He remembers there's a one little one percent of him that's still a human being, and he goes, Oh shit, like I I put her in this position. She's terrified. Like, I actually do love my daughter. Let me comfort her here because I don't know when I'll see her again. So he seems to sort of switch mid-conversation. I, I agree. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting transition we seem to do. He's either, you know, being a human being for the first time in the while or he's let, in some way letting down his fences and actually revealing or at least indicating that he's revealing some of the fatherly concern and fear that's driving some of his actions. Because he basically ends this conversation with... I've been doing all of this because I think you're going to be murdered. I think that Rhaenyra is going to have to have you killed. Well, did he say, he didn't say her, right? He said her, her children. I'm not sure he, he ever said that Rhaenyra would kill her. Yeah, but this is a bit of a, you know, uh, Tywin Lannister and the Martell children kind of situation. It can be kind of hard to just kill the children in that scenario when you're trying to secure a succession. She would very much potentially be in the line of fire as well, given her own position and her own role in any other things going into play there. But I agree with you that he is starting this conversation a little bit hostile, but he is ending this conversation very much a father hugging his daughter, scared for her, caring about her, and being pulled away from a position to be actively protecting her. And that, both wonderful dialogue, wonderful acting. You've commented before the actress who plays Allison comes across as method, and good God does this scene sell that for how much she is into this moment right now. But this may be my favorite moment of the episode, just how beautifully these two acted, how wonderful the dialogue is done, and how much it shows aspects to these characters, particularly with Otto, both that we either haven't seen before or that we haven't been willing to admit maybe a certain motivation for why they're doing what they're doing, that he honestly believes that he's doing the right thing for his family, that he'd been working towards that objective, and he's still doing so and is trying to get his daughter on the same page. 
Yeah. So Otto says, and yet you made it possible. He says, you chose Renera. Allison says that Renera swore her innocence and Allison believes her. That won't last this episode. Holy smokes. Mm-hmm. Otto says, well, you wanted to believe her, which, you know, must say contractually obligated every single episode. Fuck the high towers. Hate the high towers. Don't like the high towers one fucking bit. But I will say this. Otto is right about that. She did want to believe Renera. So that kind of clouded how she was in taking all of the evidence she was getting. Sure. Allison sways Otto's, uh, swears Otto's informant was wrong. And says, an honest mistake, perhaps, but I did not foresee this. Otto says, you should have. Allison then says, if you had not been so relentless in advancing Egg on his hair. This is where I really thought the actress just absolutely destroyed it. She is my favorite actress of these first five episodes. Or actor. Oh, great. Of the first five episodes. Because um, she seems in this scene just completely emotionally overwhelmed. Like, it, it, mm-hmm. it absolutely sold it to me that she was just about to fall apart. And that's when Otto turns to her. And he sees it, too, in this moment. And he says, listen to me, daughter. The king will die. This conversation we were talking about before. Mm-hmm. It may be months or years, but he will not live to be an old man. And if Renera succeeds him, war will follow. The realm will not accept her. And to secure her claim, she'll have to put your children to the sword. She'll have no choice. You know it. You're no fool. And yet you choose not to see it. The time is coming, Allison. Either you prepare Aegon to rule or you cleave to Renera and pray for her mercy. Do you think that's the Sophie's choice? Do you think it's A or B here with no option C? I don't agree, but I think it's hard to say and unfair to say that his position doesn't have some merit. I think it's a reasonable concern. I think he, it's, we talked about this before about you know, securing the line of succession that her children will always be a threat to Rhaenyra's rule. And if there's any degree of conflict, if there's any degree of doubting among the various lords about who should properly be, you know, sitting on the Iron Throne, Allison's children are the first ones that they turn to as a basis to try to support a rival claimant. That's always going to be there, and Rhaenyra, depending on how brutal she wants to be, that is the solution to the problem that she can go for. So the choices that her father is laying out are particularly reasonable under the idea that Rhaenyra is going to be a daemon, which I think her dad is kind of assuming, or at least fearful of to a certain degree. Uh, I I don't think it's a perfectly fair framing of events, but I don't think we should go too hard in dismissing it as being completely unwarranted. It seems like a self-fulfilling prophecy. He's like, yeah, pe- he's like, issue. she's going to kill your children because people are going to say that Aegon should be the king. <laughs> but by be. the way, I'm saying that Aegon should be king and I am of House Hightower, which is one of the most powerful families in the, in the realm. And I can sway opinions and that is what I'm doing. But then they're, he's just creating the cycle himself. So I don't have a lot of sympathy for his position. I think he's, I think he's flat wrong. I do think though, it did occur to me here. That one option that Viserys could do, which we haven't talked about, is he could just call another great council. He should have done that from the very start. Well, th- that or just say Aegon, right? I don't think you can go Rhaenyra with Aegon still alive and and Rhaenyra not marrying Aegon and not have a great council. I no. think that would have been maybe a smart move. He should the moment that he was basically disinheriting Damon. Or he should have, he should have had a great council. Even before he did that, he should have had a great council and just incorporate the lords into this decision much more effectively than just making them all come to King's Landing and bend the knee. It well, it would have been, two- it would have been really easy before Aegon was born because they all hated Damon. They were not going to pick Damon. It would, they would have probably picked Renera. Yes, yeah, so set up that choice for them. Make them all complicit to this election to who the rebels going to be. But then you got to do it again when Aegon's born. That's the problem. I, I think he should have done it after Aegon was born, but I mean, I don't know. 
I don't think he should have had other kids, honestly. If he could, you know, arrange that. Yeah. I mean, they know biology at this point, right? I mean, he knows the, I mean, he knows the pull-out method, right? Like, I mean, he can. As endorsed by the think, Catholic Church for the last 2,000 years. Yes, it is in place. You would think he could do that. Anyway, Allison, <laughs> there, there are pamphlets that the Faith of the Seven provides around. Seems pretty easy. I don't know. Allison then says, if you had not been so relentless. Oh, I already said that. Um, yeah. And then, uh, so. He gives her the wonderful speech in response. And then at this point, he goes in for what is the first father-daughter hug on the show. Bet Otto Hightower, best father in Westeros? I think we have proven this. Wait fact. a second. Viserys hasn't hugged Rhaenyra yet? Not that I've seen. Interesting. That, you know, that, they have given a coldness to their relationship that I did not get from the books. I think that's a bit of a change. I think that they've been heavily focusing on Rhaenyra as an older character and then going into that aspect of the relationship earlier as a result of that. Because I agree with you. Early on, she was like her daddy's girl. They were really close in the books. But they've almost never had that relationship we've seen on camera. Cuts of the king traveling in uh, transport, and he doesn't look good. He still seems sick. No. So I, I, I'm not thinking that this is just seasick. I think he's just sick. He's um, this, this is a guy that's got overlapping conditions going on. He, if they, if they're saying he's got leprosy, sure, he has leprosy. He also just seems like he is in shit health from the get. Well, but that's what let but see that's what leprosy does, right? Because yes, like he has overall health. Exactly. He's got all of these open sores in his body. His white blood cells are fighting all of those open sores. So he's a, he gets colds and they last probably for three weeks or whatever. Like his immune system shot. So sure. this all, this all really is consistent. Um, and they're taking a, a beautiful road to the Driftmark Castle, I might say, wait, to Heights. It is absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. You know what's also really stark about it? Not a single person there to greet them. Yeah. No one. No they're banners. Actually, it's actually no worse. It's actually worse that, there's, that Lenor is, like, play fighting in the yard. And, like, surprised. Yeah, he, see, he wasn't even told. Terrible. Um this is your guy. This is the Snake doing, you know, his you know greeting of guests right now. Hell yeah, fuck yeah. I mean, he, absolutely. He is he's setting a tone. Lionel seems upset that Corliss is not there to receive the king. So is Spencer, by the way. Lena then comes out and says, "Hello, everybody." Strong. What is the meaning of this, Lady Lena? Is this how House Valerian greets its king? Uh, question, by the way, is this the only episode that we're going to get? Uh, uh, this age of a th- this age of Lena before yes. they're going to change actors actresses again. Yeah, we're getting three Lenas. We're getting three Lenas. Uh, this is the last episode of this Lenor then, I suppose. Yes. All right. For 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 what episode she does well with the role? It kind of makes sense though because she was eleven and now she's fourteen, fifteen, and then she's going to be like twenty one or no twenty five, twenty six. So all, those ages do require new actors. It, it either had to be. Really unrealistic Dawson casting for this stage, or it's just one one actress brought in for one moment of a role. But as I said, she does well with her one moment. We get we, with a few moments we get in this episode of her on screen. She also does a little bit of cover in the tracks, right? She explains that her father just returned from a long journey, and he's hurried to the Hall of Nine to await the king. Spencer, what's the reference to Hall of Nine? I actually don't remember right now. I think that's the the nine like faces and skulls that we see when he passes when the king passes in Driftmark. I think that's why they call it the Hall of Nine. And it's kind of his big greeting room. Yes. Um cut to Allison, she's in the Godswood and she hears uh I say Godswood when I say that uh anytime I'm talking about King's Landing, I just mean that little open air park where they have a there's a weirwood there's a weirwood god's wood yeah that's it but it's certainly not the forest but there is a there's a weirwood there 
in all it's it's traditional for castles to have a godswood. Whether they still have a weirwood there or not, it is an aspect of them that dates back to the first men that there would be this kind of sacred grove that in the center of the castle lot. And clearly they they've designed King's Landing accordingly, even with a proper weirwood still growing there. It's also you know, we talked about this last episode how it was sort of strange that when Magor and then subsequently um Jaharis had the Red Keep and King's Landing created that they created this little park basically around a weirwood. Mm-hmm. But it's also necessary for the story because we know that the three eyed crow, who at this point is the one previous to Brendan Rivers, mm-hmm. sees through that tree and that and the three eyed crow needed some sort of access to the events going on in King's Landing. So this is the access for the three eyed crow to see what's going on, the political machinations around right. King's Landing. So it's important that it be there. It's also important to note that the Targaryens really didn't carefully adhere to any particular faith and wanted to kind of flirt with and incorporate all of them into the realm. And so doing something that is effectively honoring an aspect of the faith of the First Men in terms of where you're building your castle, while at the same time you're honoring a Sept to the Seven, fits into their kind of political connections to religion in a way that is more syncretic than actually personally expressed. She turns and she sees Larry Strong... The club foot Spencer. Here's the thing. All right. Let me, mm-hmm. let, yeah, me yeah, let me, let me, let yeah. me explain two things about this character. Yes. One, if I'm king of Westeros, I'm cutting his good foot off and I'm hanging him by the fucking, <laughs> by the, the fucking top I, of the, the rafters I, head on a spike situation. But I will say this. So fascinated with this character. Super engaged. We have a new Varys. We have a new little, little finger. A new, like, political puppeteer. Got little birds everywhere. And I loved it. So hyped. So hyped for this character. And, it, and, and the actor, actor does great with that. He is channeling a weird early season combination of Varys and Littlefinger as if they had a baby. And it is delightful to have that kind of wheeler and dealer who clearly knows more and is just teasing you with information to see how you react. That is what that character do. They brought that very well for this scene. And he is having just such malevolent little cat playing with food delight when it comes to what information he's giving Allison here. He starts fairies and then he goes Littlefinger because he's he starts with this super poetic thing about the Malvali's plant, a rare bloom indigenous to Bravos. By all rights, it shouldn't be here. It shouldn't be thriving here, but it is nature. Such a mystery. Basically drawing the, the connection to Allison. Also, she, yeah. she should not be thriving here, but she is. So, and I think that's not lost on Allison, what he's saying. And then he says, yet it is a dark day for the realm. Says your father was a good man. Allison fires right back, as is yours who took his place. Larry's doesn't, <laughs> he doesn't want to talk about the fact he's no. connected. He almost operates outside his family at a certain point. He'd almost prefer if she didn't view... I know, I don't, not almost. He would prefer if she did not see him within the same scope of his dad. It's like, no, we are two people just having a conversation and I'm lamenting your dad. Family connections, blah, blah, blah. We two are talking right now. Yeah, absolutely. And she says, he says, well, Otto's departure felt like an injustice to him. She says, what do you know of the matter? Potential line of the episode. When one is never invited to speak, one learns instead to observe. Uh, a, a hell of a maxim of the character. 
Yeah, yeah. House flag for Larry Strong right there. Mm-hmm. The he asks he ask her if she has a need for an ally. I'm the queen. I'm no shortage of allies. He goes, uh-huh, yeah, yeah, sure, 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 sure. Naturally. Sure, 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 naturally, naturally, naturally. Natural, natural, natural. uh, like Princess Rhaenyra, for example. And she goes, state your purpose. Like, what the fuck do you want here? And he then comes in off the top rope, Macho Man Randy Savage elbow, says, I did wonder if she could be relied upon now that she is unwell. Such an interesting <laughs> angle to take here. It's such a fascinating angle to take with this conversation. I mean, it, it, the purpose behind how he presents this appears to be almost plausible deniability. It almost just appears to be, you know, I've got this information and I don't know what to do with it. I just can't interpret this right now. Can you help me in terms of interpreting this information? Yeah, but Allison it, knows it's bullshit, yes. but he he's, he allows her to save face in giving the information to her. Yes, this is information for her. He's just merely a messenger of it. He can't even understand it, which they both know is bullshit. But it's a necessary part of the act. It's just like... I have this info and I'm giving it to you. I wonder if I could do that in the future and it would be mutually beneficial to us. What a thought. Anyway, good day, my lady. Exit. Which is exactly what he does. He says, well, I could be mistaken, but, you know, the night Otto was fired, Grand Maester brought Tita Renera at the direction of the king. And basically his point is, you know, if the Grand Maester had to bring the tea, then I, I'm sure whatever she had was really bad. And of course, Allison... Knowing all the rumors about what occurred that night. And, you know, this is where the events of the previous episode, I think, I, I, I wish they'd have done it differently, right? Because they, they jammed it all into one night. When in reality, what would have been more effective to me is if there was a longer period where Renero was being loose, whatever, whatever word you want to call it. Sure. Because then Allison would have had more of a reason to connect this to, oh my God, like she, like, I've been hearing all these rumors about her and then like now she's getting this tea. It would have just hit for me better if this had gone on over a period of weeks and months as opposed to all condensed into one night. But regardless, she makes the connection mm-hmm. and she knows what moon tea is, which yeah. kudos, kudos. She, she, she read the pamphlet about good girls. Don't let friends use moon tea. I think, all, yeah, it seems like all the young women of Westeros are very, all the highborn women of Westeros are very aware of moon tea. Mm-hmm. Allison, looking perturbed, then says, well, Renera sailed with the king to Driftmark yesterday. The funniest part of this entire conversation is that Allison says that to Larry Strong like he didn't fucking know. Like, of course he knew. And he's like, oh, is that right? How about that? Is that what this complete manifest is that I've got in my left pocket now? Fascinating. (laughs) That's funny that you would have the manifest. He says, although it came from Melos himself, her condition must be very serious. But, hey, what happiness it is to be wrong. Basically, like, I, I thought it was, you know, with Melos there, it had to be so serious. But I, I'm so happy to be wrong. And Allison I, walks off. I love that ending line. What happiness it is to have been wrong. I, it's such a great way of just exiting the thought. Just like, oh, I'm glad we were wrong in this moment together. Anyway, have a lovely day. But he doesn't say it like that, right? He yeah. actually says, what happiness it is to have been wrong. Like, he almost says yeah. it like... He says the words he's supposed to say, he but he conveys the emotion that Allison is feeling, which is like pissed. Yeah, it's, it's very much of, yeah, isn't it? it? It is saying the words indicating, oh, it's delightful that I was mistaken. What he's really saying is, how do you feel right now? Let's talk about that. Cut to the king with his king's guard walking into the throne room of Driftmark High Tide. Oh, boy, what a what a. What a place he's got. I mean, this is a beautiful castle. Yeah. Empty of people and retainers and guests or banners or musicians to greet the king of Westeros. Well, he didn't know he was coming. 
Bullshit! Vietnam has the largest fleet in Westeros. Someone didn't see the King's Banner no. on a ship coming into your harbor? Nope. We see some awesome shots of the throne room at Driftmark. My question for you is, House Valerion is a, a house that is sworn to Stannis Baratheon for most of the main series. As the Prince of Dragonstone, yes. They're pretty bull in the main series. Is this... Do they still have this big, beautiful, fucking awesome castle? Like... You know, there uh, we talk about the House of Valerian like they're nothing in the main series, but this is a hell of a keep. Spoilers? No, they don't. We will discuss that on the after episode. Oh, okay, interesting. All right, so they don't. Uh, King tells him to, but in the main series, in the main, they still series, don't. Okay, event, uh, events occur that mean that heavily diminish their base of power, or whatever else. Hmm. Interesting. All right, we'll talk about that in the uh, in the in the spoiler uh, section. The King tells him to rise. Yeah, we'll discuss he, it. As he does, he mentions getting the king a chair. A king tries to tell him, I don't need a chair, whatever. But in comes Rainey's really awesome entrance from Rainey's here. Just, hey, cousin, what it is, what it be, what it do, homie. Yale. This is how you greet the king. Come on, dude. See, stick. I know you're trying to front. I know you're trying He's to say. He's not fronting. What? Fronting, he... front, fronting is faking. He's not faking. He doesn't like Viserys. It's not even an issue of liking, though. It's an issue of showing minimum elements of decorum. He's trying to represent right now, he not did. only that I don't like you. No, no, he is not. This he, is not the minimum decorum. He made the king come to him. He got on one knee and he said, my king. I mean, whatever. I mean, that's that's about as good as you're going to get from the sea snake. And I, and that that's an issue, I'm saying. She goes to take his hand, but A, it looks like his hands hurt when she took his hands. It physically And flinches. B, he's missing fingers. So no. she immediately is like sort of jolted and she says, are you well? And he goes, ah, very. Clearly doesn't want to talk about it. Corliss then says, hey, Lionel, good yeah, job. Let nice, me be the first. Good job on the promotion, homie. That's really, that's really solid. I, I could think of no better man, which is a nice Good, great slight to Otto. I can think of no better man for the job. Yeah. Just fuck Otto. So shout out to the snake. Corliss does, then does, he wants to gossip. And so he says, pity about Otto, right? Yeah. The king moves right on by that. Well, it, it, it's interesting too. It, I don't think the sea snake is faking any of that to a certain degree. I think he is honestly kind of happy for Lionel Strong right now. Cause I don't think the sea snake has ever really pushed that hard for like himself to be hand to the king for No, him. no, no. He doesn't want to be hand to the king. He, that's uh, be he, too much he, work. Well, he's got two. I think he honestly has two. I, I really like so. Fuck Otto Hightower. Fuck the Hightowers. Hate the Hightowers. But I actually think that having a second son as hand of the king might make some sense because when you are the head of a big household like that, you have a lot of responsibilities and just your keep and all the people and all your subjects and leals and all of that. Like I think he's got too much work to do as head of House Valerian to be House of the King or can we also, hand of the King. I also want you to agree on something right now. Would you agree that every whatever you want to say about Otto Hightower, fuck the Hightowers, you know, whatever else, he was good at his job of being hand of the king for the extended period that he was. I mean, he was good in the way that, like, the Enron accountants were really good. At, he like, didn't beggar the realm. He benefited the realm while no, no, no. He, I mean, he's 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 really good at what they're asking him to do, and he's really good at advancing his own agenda. But no, I don't. I mean, I think the number one job. So the hand of the king, best I can tell, as scholar of Song of Ice and Fire, has two jobs. Yes. One, the primary job, and it is what it was created for, is to take the best interest of the king, like look out for the king, make sure the king is in a good position. But second to that, and and, and the second part eclipses the first in a lot of cases, is to run the government. And I think Otto 
So he's really good so at second. Those... Yeah, he's really good at two. Not, not not that good at one. I think Otto viewed his job as to serve the realm, and everything else was just a means to that end. I don't think he fully saw himself as just being an arbiter of the king's will, and particularly for that being priority. I think he served the realm well, also himself, whatever else. And as we saw in this, his <laughs> serving of the king's particular interests is de- 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 <laughs> more debatable. Also himself. Blah, 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 blah. Look, yeah, can we good. all can we all agree that Lionel Strong is a much better hand and possibly the best hand we've ever seen? I Lionel Strong all, seems awesome. I, I I think he is on fire, and I, I wish the best for him. I think he's really good. So Corliss told you wanted to gossip king moves right on past the auto comment compliments the halls of high tide as i would it looks beautiful corliss thanks him says he wishes they could meet under happier circumstances that confuses the king says also corliss informs him that damon's wife later Rhea royce has passed the king did not know this uh-huh. <laughs> yeah but immediately looks suspicious he it's funny because like he has this smile on his face from the when he because he sees he compliments high tide Right, he says, but I've been in the Red Keep forever, but every time I come to High Tide, this looks awesome. And he got this smile on his face. And then Corliss says the thing about his wife, and the smile just is becomes stone and yeah, just he holds it. And he's just like, uh and then he turns and he has this great look with Lionel Strong, where they both look at each other like, Oh fuck. That's yeah. probably not good, is it? And then the king wants to move on. I adore that the Sea Snake has this information because my headcanon now is that Damon sent him a personal letter saying, Hey, my wife's dead, lol. <laughs> just like a personal letter to the Sea Snake saying this happened. Given the two of them are basically still allies when it comes to the Stepstones anyway. No, I think he, I think he sent him a, he did. He sent him a note and he said, my, my wife's dead. Uh, you got a daughter, right? I think that's what he said. Mm. I think you that's think, what you he think said. that's the full conversation? Yeah. So you got a daughter, right? And then, and then he, you know. And she's, and then, hot and, and she's both hot and legal now? Mm. And then I, and well, I'm, not, I'm not sure she's legal. I think she's like 14. Westerosi <laughs> standards. I, I, and then I think at that point, the blonde. sea snake considered, blonde. I think at that point, the sea snake considered locking his daughter in a room for the next 14 years. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> they point out that the hunting accident doesn't really make a lot of sense because she was known all over the realm as a great writer, great hunter. She was an outdoorsman. I mean, give me a break. The king and Lionel shared the look. The king then um, says Lady Rhea was a fine woman and, quote, a good wife to my brother. We all know he has to say that, but it's kind of bullshit. Not that she wasn't a good person. It's just that they were they, they didn't have a functioning relationship. Absolutely. Um, then says it's a shame they have no heir. She was going to inherit Runestone. The king then connecting even more dots just goes, can we just fucking stop talking about this, guys? Can we just fucking please? <laughs> I mean, I am the king, right? I can set I, the conversation. I, I exiled my brother to not have to talk about my brother. Can we please actually talk about what I traveled here to do? I thought I could set the conversation. Can we shut everybody shut the fuck up for just two seconds? I think that's what I got from him. Yes. The king coughing says he wishes. And by the way, every time he coughs, this guy who plays the sea snake is, I don't know. I've never, I don't know. I'm I'm ignorant about actors. I'm absolutely ignorant about actors. And for those that aren't, I apologize. I know I sound stupid. I didn't know about this guy. I need him on Broadway. I need him. Like I need him in King Lear. Like this guy is a fucking actor. He's good. He's very, he is unreal. Cause every time the King coughs, he gives this little look like, uh, and and it's not, there's some concern in the look. Mm hmm. But there's also gears spinning. Oh, yeah. It, it It is data being processed and expressing itself in different ways. It's like, this is new information. This is information that can both instill an emotional reaction and also have further use. And I am filing this away as you are coughing. Now, the king says he wishes to propose a marriage between Lenor and Renera. 
Corliss says he's honored, but then he does something that you're kind to, Spencer. What do my kind do? Sir? You, Tell you're me. you're a lawyer. Everybody, our loyal listeners know you're a lawyer, and this is the type of shit lawyers do. There I work with terms. I work with lawyers all the time, and you can go like that. So, I work where I have to negotiate with lawyers, and they can be asking for something for six months, and then you can go to these motherfuckers and you can say. Hey, the thing you've been wanting for six months, I got it for you. And then they can go, wait a second. I got some questions. That's yeah. exactly what he did. You got exactly what I wanted, but is it pink? We need to discuss it's pink. And if it isn't, what else I get from it not being pink? Unbelievable. If I was a kid, this, that is the point when he says, like, you know, I'm a, I'm a sea snake guy. I'd be I know. Loyal 100%. To but when, he, when he does this, that's when, if I'm Viserys, I would have walked out. Like I would have said, that I I have come here, you didn't greet me. It, it's humiliating. I've just remote, I, and now you're going to beggar me about the details. I'm out. I would have just walked out. Everything leading up to this moment was a purposeful humiliation. It was a purposeful statement of I don't need to offer this pomp and circumstance to you the way any other lord would be. And now, in this moment, when he has given the sea snake everything he asked for, is proposing welding their houses together. The sea snake basically tries to say, oh, yeah, but I'll be the superior partner, right? Here's the thing. That's a dick move. Here's the thing. Viserys is thinking, I have a job to do. My job is to get this engagement going. So I'm going to do it at all costs. Here's the thing. Viserys would have been a phenomenal prime minister because he he is absolutely willing to get – take the shit – let it a roll lot. downhill onto him, yeah. and he just wants to get the job done. Would be a phenomenal prime minister. The problem is the job of king requires a certain amount of authority because it, you are a dictator. It's diminishing of the office. Absolutely. It kills him. So Corliss says, look, you know, when they get married, I mean, who's going to – what's the succession? What's the deal with the succession? Yeah. I mean, obviously the children will be named Valerian, so – they well, they, well, be, he gets to that second. Yeah. And this first, he wants to know about the succession, and then he, Viserys goes, "Well, Rhaenyra's my heir upon my death, my throne, and my titles will pass to her." R- R- she and Sir Laenor's firstborn child. Get this, Spencer. Regardless mm-hmm. of gender, here's the th- here's the thing. New rules. I don't think that Viserys has the authority to do this. I I think what he is doing here because he's he has the authority, maybe. To do the thing of Rhaenyra as my heir. I'm not sure he can then say, and for the rest of Targaryen history and perpetuity, we're not going to care about set. The male primogeniture is just out the window. I'm not sure he can do that. Yeah, you know, you you know that several thousands of years of Andal custom and tradition in terms of male primogeniture that we kind of, you know, melded into when we invaded and conquered Westeros, a primarily Andal culture realm. Yeah, none of that applies to us anymore. We're just adding that to the list of things that don't apply to Targaryens anymore. Targaryen exceptionalism. Yeah. King Jaehaerys, shout out. We can marry family and our daughters can get first place automatically without without even having to say so. Targaryens are awesome. And it's our birthright to just own all you people. So (laughs) the Sea Snake says, in keeping with Westeros tradition, the Mm -hmm. children will take the man's name, right? Children will be named Valerians. And the king then gets finally a little testy. And he says, surely, Corliss, you're not suggesting the Targaryen dynasty end with Rhaenyra simply because she's a woman. (laughs) Your grace, I only seek clarity. The king coughs again. Corliss asks for a chair again. The king says, I'd have no need of a chair. Nope, nope. 
says that upon their birth, this is what he cooks up in his head. So like, here's the this thing. Is quick. This is why this he, is quick. this is why he would be a great prime minister. He could get legislation through. Think about how quick he cooked up this compromise. The problem is you don't want a king compromising in this position when he's already been embarrassed over and over again in this scene. He'd be, a, he'd be a wonderful legislator is what I'm trying to say. He mm-hmm. says, okay, how about this? When they have children, in Westerosi tradition, the children will be named Valerians, but whoever takes the throne, when the firstborn takes the throne upon Rhaenyra's death, that child will then be called Valerian. That person will then be called Targaryen. Reasonable compromise. Reasonable no, enough compromise. That even no, the not. sea snake just kind of, you, know, you think he's giving, giving up too much here? Yes. Okay, tell me. Because, well, because here's, you're the sea snake now. Yes. If, if Viserys just says no, when the, the children will be named Targaryen, what is he going to do? Is the is 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 he really gonna, is Corlys then going to say, okay, well, I don't want my child to marry what? Rhaenyra? He, he he's he's bluffing, I and it's think, so transparent uh, that he's bluffing. I think he's thinking that. Uh, I think he is thinking that the King of Westeros basically crawled here hand to knee, even says says as such later. To, to offer me this marriage alliance. I can ask whatever I want and he will agree right now. I think that he is, is probably seeing, what he's thinking. Yes. He you're is right. seeing weakness and he is pushing because I think he's reading the situation as being, this guy thinks this is his only option and he has to make this work. I will appear generous by even just accepting this compromise right now. Right. But he is bluffing. If the king just, if, if the king just put his foot down and said, absolutely not, I think Corliss is still going to accept the marriage. Probably. So uh, anyway, gam- he's a gambler. Absolutely, yeah. Plays off. He is a gambler. That's why he's got uh, ships full of cinnamon and cardamom and <laughs> elephants. Uh, shout out Sea Snake. So cut to a really great scene. I felt like with Rhaenyra and Lainer walking on the beaches. I I like the scene. I will say I think the actor who plays Lainor is possibly the weakest actor on the show. I think he comes across as being a bit wooden. Doesn't come across, comes across as pretty natural. I think the scenes with him still work, but I thought he was a bit of a noticeable weakness when it came to the came to the acting so far. I agree. Have you seen the sh- Have you seen what they've released of the actor who's going to play Lainor in the next episode? No, I try to avoid that on purpose, so I've not seen it. Why do you 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 watch the next on though? Right? I do not. No, I do not. You've said on this podcast before that you watch the next on. I've lied to you every single time. I do not watch the next on the episodes. I think the only time I watched the next on was with you when we watched. Okay, well then one. it would. I mean, but it would be. I mean, like you know, there's no reason to just lie week after week that you watch it. Like, tell me if you watch it it's or you don't me. watch it. I, of course, I'm going to lie to you week after week. No, that's what like, I do. That's not like that's not helpful in the conversation. Like you, so you could tell me if you watch it or don't watch it. But like the point I'm making is that they have released a scene with the actor who plays Lainor next. As you don't want to know, I won't tell you anything about the scene. I will okay. tell you this: much stronger actor. And it is a, it is a parent, it's a one minute clip and it is apparent right from jump that this guy's a lot better. I agree with you. The person playing Lenor in this episode was weak and, and it's a shame because Lenor is put in a lot of very interesting positions in this episode. There was a lot of opportunity for the actor and I just don't think he took advantage of it. it. it, it, It's an interesting episode in that regard because Lenor was weak and you've also said previously that you found the actor who played Cole the weakest actor that was previously on the show. And this is a heavily Cole episode. I still think he's, I still think he's not that good. I was going to ask you whether you thought he did any better with that, given how much screen time and how much his emotions driving his roles are integral to making this episode, you know, work. Same face. Makes same, same. face every time. 
And I felt that brought down the episode a bit, given how much central of a role he is in that regard. But, I agree. I, but and, I agree with you. But I, I guess what I like about this scene so much is really – and I have to be honest – is really driven from what I know about the books. Because I – this – so what happens here is that yeah. Rhaenyra basically – makes a proposition with Lenor where she's like, Hey, like she uses this analogy of duck and goose. Like I like, I like duck. I don't like goose, which by the way, I'm not a meat eater anymore, but I also like duck and not goose. Goose is too greasy in this. And in all things, Renera is correct. So goose, you're cooking it in its own fat. That is the level of greasy that goose is. She's a hundred percent right about this. And but duck the, is pretty greasy too. But let's be honest, but it's duck, duck much better than goose in my opinion. Um, so, but she's trying to make is like say, hey, let's just do what we have to do with regards yes. to this marriage, and then we can just fuck off and do whatever we want, right? Wouldn't mm-hmm. that be really cool? Lainer loves the idea. She loves the idea because she's thinking she's going to spend a lifetime hooking up with Sir Kristen Cole. And he obviously already has a paramour. He already has a boyfriend. So they're happy with this. I'm not – so when I'm ta- – I say what I know about the books. I, I'm not – my goal here isn't to spoil anything. All I'm saying is that there's some really cool – like nods to the fact that they have this understanding mm-hmm. in in Fire and Blood, and it just makes me like Renera and Lenor a lot more because, the, and I love how the, the actors do as much as that the actor who plays Lenor is not very good. They do portray that there's an affection between these two people. Obviously, yeah. he's gay. They, it's not it's a romantic. Platonic. It's not a romantic thing, but they do get along and they are friendly, and. The fact that they can be friendly in this like for, like arranged marriage and then kind of high five each other as they're yes. going off to do whatever they want to do to me is like a super cool thing. I always no, like that. I am very much on the same page. I like that they made this explicit because this is more just like a strongly implied thing about, yeah, they probably had this kind of relationship going on. Seeing the two of them actually pretty, wield it and set it, it up. In Fire and Blood, it's when they describe the wedding night and, and specifically – the dancing that occurs at the wedding it, night. That's where they explicit. make it explicit. And it, it just always cracked me up. I was always like, God, Lena is such a fucking cool guy. Because Mushroom wasn't there, we never got to see the discussion between the two or they agreed to those terms. So getting that now, it's great. I very much like it. It also feels like they're making a reference to a line from Byron Blood of where it's um, Grandmaster Melos. Of where Viserys, I think, originally proposed this basically a small council to get their advice, you know, as he do. And somebody brought up, well... You know I don't. I don't like goose, but when it's put in front of me, I eat it. That is pretty much exactly like it. it was fish in, in the book, but it was very much. You know, he prefers men, right? Isn't that going to be a problem? Like, and and Melos just kind of grumpily said, "What of it? I'm not fond of fish, but when fish is served, I eat it." That is the conversation that they're having, essentially. Yeah, yeah. I remember Melos saying that. But yeah, and and I, and Melos also has that sort of mentality. In this, in this show, right? Because when they were like, well, Rhaenyra's not gonna like it, he had the same sort of frumpy attitude where he was like, who gives a fuck? Said, who gives a fuck? literally said, what of it? Yeah. yeah it's, what, it's, it's how we do. So like, these, two, she, these, these two have this great, uh, they strike this arrangement, which I am, I just adore. Yeah. Not, it's, it, it, acting whatever else, the scene is very effective in large part because it's another, it's one of our last chances we get to see of this young actress playing Rhaenyra showing her chops with respect to the role, which, can we say how much we're going to miss her going forward? As Look, great as her success is so going to be. I made this point in the podcast you didn't listen to, so I'm going to make it again for you, which is for all of those who are upset that these two actresses are leaving us, and I get why you would be upset. The sure. way to think about this is that the Dance of the Dragons is when Renera and Allison are older. That is the story that is being told. 
these five episodes are a prelude to the story. So we shouldn't think that like the way to think about it is Rhaenyra Targaryen is Emma Darcy. And we got five episodes of a flashback or an intro, basically, of another actress. The actor, Emma Emma Darcy, who is playing Rhaenyra, is Rhaenyra. That's Rhaenyra. Because that's going to play the role for two and a half seasons. We're getting Emma Darcy for, yeah, two and a half, three and a half seasons. So that's the way to think about it. And I think that's what maybe the casual doesn't quite understand when they're thinking about this, this actor switch. Because they're like, why would you switch actors? Well, they have to. And by the way, Ryan Condal didn't even want to do these first five episodes. He wanted to jump right into the dance. And George R. R. Martin says, no, you have to do the, you have to do the lead up. You have to do. So call George. I completely agree, by the way. He's usually always right with this stuff, but Millie Alcock would not have even been cast if Ryan Condal has his, his way to think about it. Right. So that's, I think that's a helpful way to think about it for some folks. So. We cut to um, Corliss and Rainey's having a conversation. Hey, quick, quick question for you. Yeah, are, the, are these are these two people the only people in a healthy relationship in the entire House of the Dragon franchise? Well, Otto, Otto and Allison—they gave each other a hug. We already no, no, established no. it. Real, romantic, romantic relationship. relationship. Well, let's not assume things. Uh yes, possibly, completely. Yeah, there's no debate. Definitely, so far that because they so far. seem it, they seem to be in a healthy, loving relationship. I don't, I, I don't get anything uh, else from helpful, that. loving and supportive relationship. That's a key factor that's left out. We've seen maybe some relationships of people that like each other, but two people that seem to be actively working to benefit and serve each other and boost, boost each other up. That's almost unheard of. Yeah. I mean, and it's such a human thing that they're, they're going through. So in they're equals. Like, what happens here is, well, first off, Corliss, a little self-aware goes, did I push him too far? I think I might have pushed him too far. Yeah. You yeah. did push him too far, Corliss. Yeah. Wait, but, but hey, but, Rainey's, Rainey's makes yeah. the point that you would make, which is, well, he came here crawling on his hands and knees. I don't know. I mean, it, he's the one that debased himself, not you. Like, it's always the exact point you just made to me, which is like, I don't know. He put you in a position to test him, basically. Right. If somebody comes to you and gives you the opportunity to take more money from them, do you not? I mean, what, what options did he really give you here other than to push? Yeah. I mean, I, but I mean, just. Uncle Lee out there to the kids. Yeah, the answer is no. Don't keep taking money from them. But I mean, in this fictional world where everybody's after power and et cetera, et cetera, I guess you do. But in real life, yeah, I, I think you do. Take all you can. No, I think in real life, I think in real life, you do say, I think I life think is power. Only you may have it. Mm, yeah, and uh, so, but 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 the thing here in this conversation that I think is so relatable is that Corliss isn't over the fact that Rainey's was passed over. That's the key subject. Rainey's okay. is over the fact that she was passed over. So she tells him, I, I've put the whole mess behind me. Can you please like, and that is so fucking relatable. Like, so if you, if you have a, a woman working for you and you don't give her a promotion, guess who's going to be mad about that for fucking the longest? Her husband. That's the, like, it's always the spouse that gets, like, personally offended when the person is slighted. It's such a relatable thing. Well, it's very relatable. And it's almost a certain element of this conversation that Rainey's is trying to point out to the city snake. I'm okay with this. This is your pride that's talking here now. You feel this is a slight to you almost more than See, it is to me. I didn't get that. I didn't get that at all. I thought that he was still just angry and mad on her behalf. I, I think I think that can be I think both of those can be true at the same time. It's just a question of framing. It's like he can be mad on her behalf, but it's also the, also them as a pair too. 
Yeah, I don't. I, 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 maybe I was just trying to be like super positive and stuff, which I, I try to be. But I, I thought he was just like it was a representation of his love it, for her it, that he was still angry. But it could not be. It could be. Yeah, like it was a slight on House Valerian or whatever. Especially because considering the books, she was passed over by Jahari. She wasn't passed over at the Great Council. That was a change in the show. And the Great Council, her baby Lainor was passed over. Her claim was already gone. Jahari's had already passed that she, over like nine years before. She would have been Queen Regent effectively, but yeah, she was more representing the claim of her son, which was then passed over again. Which is so, different in the show. It was her yes. in the show. It was, yeah. It, but the, the show simplifies things heavily in that regard. Yeah, and it, which is probably a smart move because that's a little co- convoluted the way that George wrote it. Shocker. Uh, <laughs> Rainey's does say, so at one point, in this conversation, I, I got all the way to the end and the gist, but there is a point I do, I do want to point out, which is Corliss asks where Laner is and Rainey says, <laughs> well, she's, he's down with, with Rhaenyra on the beach and he goes, oh, good. Oh, good. That's going to be great. I mean, he probably likes her, right? Like she's, she's gotten she's really hot. hot. She's gotten hot, right? And Rainey's just, you know, no her bullsh- son's gay, right? <laughs> no bullshit. Just goes, you know, it's true nature. Like, he's not bi. He's not bi. We're not going to make this work. Our son is gay. That is a bit of an issue about what we're trying to make him do right now. And 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 the sea snake, just showing his age, goes, well, there's no pleasure in the world like Betty. She cuts that right off. And she just goes, look, we are placing our son in danger. Renera's succession will be challenged. Nyes will come out. Her, her husband, and for her heirs. Like, Rainey's is just, she sees... The, she sees the chessboard and she just goes, look, we can do this. I just want you to know that this is dangerous for him. This really felt like the mirror Im- image conversation of Otto and Alicent. This is Rainey's and the form of Otto delivering that kind of speech to Alicent in the form of the sea snake. Right. Now. Really good point. Really good point. I like that. I like that a lot. There is a there's a direct parallel in those two conversations. It's, and it's two people who can see the chessboard calling it out. Right. Yeah. And they have the same kind of perspective on it is that. Whatever we want to make happen right now, there's going to be a war. Are we setting ourselves up to be in the best position when that, in their view, inevitably happens? Corliss says their house controls half the realm's navy and dragons. I would just like to point out, House Valerian does not control half the dragons. That's that's such bullshit. what two? I think they have two Bullshit. official dragon riders, and maybe I mean, it's three on the, in the books. I think we've only seen two at this point. Two, even when it is three. It, 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 come on, half the dragons? No, not even half the ships is probably true, or at least close. He does own half the ships. Yeah, anyone foolish enough to challenge claim will have to deal with us. And then she finally says, "To what end, Corliss? Wealth, power, pride?" And he says, "Justice." And that's when they get into the thing about the succession claim. He. He may be technically correct on the subject of dragon riders, because at least at this exact point, Viserys has let the concept of dragon riding languish. There but are they, not that many. They have, like, what, five dragons in the dragon pit, but, and then... But nobody's riding them. That's right, the issue. That's I, I know, but he's just half the... Dra- yeah, I, I see yeah. what you're saying. Like, dragons that you can use. But then there's also the, the feral dragons that are out on Dragonstone. Right. He, Your favorite dragon, the mythical, mythical cannibal, cannibal that uh, does or does not it, exist... He should have said dragon riders. That's basically my point. Is that if he's doing shorthand for dragon riders, he is at least closer to being accurate. I agree. Um, maybe even actually accurate. But dragons? No. Not not even close. Yeah. Cut to Lainor and his paramour. 
Um, we don't know the guy's name yet. We'll, we'll get it later. <laughs> Sky points out he was always worried that Laner would have to marry, but now that he does, I mean, my gosh, your betrothed gives you leave to do whatever you want. He basically, he, he does make a funny joke. He says, well, was I the duck or the goose? But basically was what he is saying to this, this guy, here's the thing about this guy. Yeah. Idiot. Moron. Idiot. His name's Joffrey. We knew this was coming. Idiot. But he is right when he's saying, you couldn't have asked for a better situation. And he's right yeah. about that. The, the the problem with this guy is it's so good. It's so much better than anything they ever expected about what could be possible with their relationship. He gets way too cocky way too quick. You're right. It's like, dude, 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 I know this is everything you ever could have possibly imagined, but this is still something that people could murder you in the streets for. Yep. Play it a little bit closer and look a little bit safer for just a bit longer. Uncle Lee, Uncle Lee, out there talking to the kids. This goes back to the conversation Spencer and I were just having. If you get all that you want, uh-huh. you can stop asking for more. It's okay because you can you can stick your neck out too far, which is what this guy does. You can you can stop uh-huh. you can, you can stop and you can be happy with what you have and you can have a good life. And that's what this guy could have had. Cuts to Rhaenyra, uh, on the show. He does end this conversation by pondering, I wonder who Rhaenyra's paramour. I wonder who she's fucking. I wonder who that guy is. And scene switch. Cuts Rhaenyra on the ship and Krista Cole walks up. Um, she asks if he couldn't sleep and he says, well, I wanted to see you. And she says, I confess I had a similar desire. So they're still flirting a little bit, but then he starts his speech. <laughs> they are doing a very different kind of flirting right now. <laughs> Well, they start, I mean, she was flirting when she said, yes. I confess I had a similar desire. Cole's not here for that. He starts a speech, and I gotta say, uh-huh. this could be one of the dumbest speeches I've ever heard in the entire book, series, multiple shows, anything. It is so fucked up on so many accounts. Like, yes. okay, so just to do the recap, he basically says, look, you have talked a lot about how you loathe your position that you're worried that you'd be forced upon a husband that you didn't want, you didn't choose. Now the day has come. He says, Sir Laner is a good and decent man, but you didn't choose him. He goes, he then says, look, when I was at Sunspear, I saw ships full of oranges and cinnamon. I wanted to know where they went. Why don't you come with me to Essos and we will start a new life. You can marry me over there and you can live free. That is his proposition. Now it is stupid. Which is from the books. Yeah, okay, yeah, absolutely. Well, po- possibly from the, this is one story that was told about how things played out. Exactly. This is what, yeah, and we talked about that in the last episode, right? That, like, yeah. there was a lot of different reasons for why they had ended up having a, uh, a sort of a awkward rift. moment or a rift or whatever between the two of them. And one of them is that he does this exact thing that he asked her to marry him, right? She says, no. This is so stupid. I'm going to try to count the levels, Spencer. You're pro- probably going to miss some and you can, Pl- you please can help go. Me. I want at least five by the time you're done. Well, it's uh, first off, you assume that because y'all had sex once, she's going to want to marry you. That, that is confidence in his dick. Two, d- damn. Two, <laughs> um, you assume that she would be comfortable leaving what leaving to not be the queen to 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 not take the throne. Yes, that she would be willing to walk away from the, the throne. All. That, that, well, that's that, that's one component. The other component is just the life of luxury and wealth that House Targaryen has. So that's another thing there that he's he's just supposing for that she would leave her family and friends. Just adios, bye. 
I don't give a fuck. And five, what the fuck are you going to do with the dragon? He hadn't even thought about the dragon. Nope. Well, did she go leave him, leave the dragon behind Cy- too? Cyrex is getting left behind too in the Cyre- story. Yes. So yeah, uh, let me get this right. She's going to leave Cyrex behind. Just bat- adios. Don't give a fuck. Let's that go to Essos. Exactly. This is the what he proposed, dumbest yes. shit. I I, 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 I was just stunned because when it, when you get that story in the book, I thought, well, he probably asked her to marry her, but like. Surely he worded it a little sure, better. Surely it wasn't this dumb. Yes. Surely there was something. No, it was that dumb. Spencer, what'd you think? Uh, they are going a route in terms of portraying this character that I don't particularly like. Of where Kristen Cole's a complicated character. He is heavily debated. He is pointedly both in almost all of A Song of Ice and Fire Media. One of those characters that everyone has intense opinions about just because of how many different aspects and how much uncertainty in the story goes into how what, what was playing out with respect to his character. There's a lot of ways to interpret him. Their interpretation here is just straight himbo. That's where they're going with the character it appears to me in the show is that he's just dumb. He's just an he's idiot. He's dumb. He's dumb. He, and he's and by the way, self- why wouldn't he be? Why wouldn't he be? Yeah. I, it um, kind of makes sense he would be dumb, right? I mean, he's just a fighter from well, fucking Sunspear. It could make sense that he's uneducated. Dumb is something we don't necessarily have a reason necessarily to think. And, you know, there's a lot going into this. There is just that he comes across as being dumb. That seems to be a key aspect of the character they're going with. There's also an aspect of emotional, like, falling down a set of stairs that is happening throughout the whole episode. Of where he seems like he's just getting increasingly grasping at straws, increasingly desperate, and increasingly unstable. So maybe yes. that's going into it too, that he's just not thinking clearly because he's oh, trying to process. There's some the of that for sure. And it, I mean, that is a really good point, Spencer. And we should give him credit that like he is so emotionally conflicted about the fact that he dumped his Broke vows his and vows. had sex with her that he is sort of acting irrationally. That's a fair point. He's also maybe just a guy that's not used to just always having a sword right over your head that could fall at any time. I mean, he's a soldier. He's been used to danger to a certain degree, but... Having sex with the princess means that at any given moment he could just die. The, the not just in- die, gelded. Gel, gel, his he, best. He seems to not want to be gelded. He really yes. seems to not want to be gelded. Well, can we blame him much in that regard? So- she hears this fucking proposition and smiles a little bit, looks down, gets stern, looks away, thought, thinking, finally gives a brief shake of her head and says, I am the crown, Sir Kristen, or I will be. I may chafe at my duties, but do you think I would choose infamy in exchange for a bushel of oranges or a ship to a shy? Here's the thing. The reference to oranges was mean. Reference to oranges was very mean. That was just mean. Yeah. Nothing else you could say about that, really. No. I, I Look. Hey. Hands up. She can be mean. That was mean. She says, it's my duty to marry a nobleman from a great house, Sir Laner. Eh, he checks the boxes. Cole starts to look perturbed. She says, but my marriage doesn't have to be the end, Sir Kristen. Laner and I, well, we have an understanding. I've already worked this out. See, I read the fine print. I negotiated in something here. Cole seems upset by this. He says, so you want me to be your whore? Here's yeah. the thing, Cole. Here's the thing, Cole. Cole needs some bros. All right. He needs some guys. And I, I don't, I, that's a gender term. I shouldn't say it, but what I mean is he needs some close friends. He, he needs gender neutral bros. He understands. He, he, he needs, he needs friends. He needs someone to pull him aside and go, you're not thinking clearly because to be the queen's quote whore is a pretty fucking good position for a guy from where you're from. This is, there is a lot of perks to that. Like, you shouldn't be so derisive of that. Two things. One, I fully understand what you're saying. I will note a quote that we get from the books proper, a white cloak changes a man. And I think that, that 
he is invested unless you're Jamie so, Lannister. Thank you. He has invested so much in that aspect of himself that he's trying to either cut that off forever and accept that that's dead because of what he did, or fully embrace the white cloak. He can only go in one direction or the other just because of how painful this just war inside himself based on how valuable this is to him. And Rhaenyra is not understanding that at all. Also, as you said, I know Rhaenyra's your girl, but dude... All the time. She gotta learn to be able to make a better pitch. She's gotta be able to learn how better to read the person and say what they need to hear in a way they need to hear it. She is incapable of doing that. She's 17 years old. So what? Allison can do it. Allison can do it great, by comparison. Okay. Rhaenyra is the heir to the realm. That's an unreasonable expectation for somebody at her age. Uh, yeah, I agree. But she was also like hit with this like cold water, dude. Like I, I this know. was a hell of a thing to throw at her. I think she does it other than the line about the oranges, which was yeah, mean or- and she shouldn't have said it. I think she does a pretty good job here. I mean, she even goes so far. He starts to whine about his being, I'm a, okay, Knight of the King's Guard and I took it off the chastity. And then what, you, you, the way to speak to him, the way to speak to him here, frame it in duty. Duty is a thing the man understands. Yeah. <laughs> more, even more rapey. Look. Your duty is to do what I tell no, you. No, 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 no. My, <laughs> my, my duty is to be the heir. Just as your duty to be a white cloak is. Just as your duty that I made a problem. Accept a certain degree of weakness in that regard. She did. I did something she wrong. said that. She said, I, I have to do this. This is my job. She didn't, she, she needs to focus on it in that particular light and then bring it to him in that light. If we're in the same boat here. Again, it's a mess. It's a question of framing that Rhaenyra has never even attempted to do well with anyone around her. Meh, I don't think that would have mattered here. And I think she does a pretty good job. She even goes so far as I think she is about to tell him the, the prophecy here because she says the Iron Throne looms larger than me, larger than anyone in my family. Aegon the Conqueror united the seven kingdoms and put them on a path. I think she was about to spill the fucking beans to Sir Kristen Cole, which, by the way, the oranges thing was bad. If she would have told the prophecy here to Cole, that would have been a really terrible move. Your girl, sir. Your girl. I, 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 yeah, absolutely. She makes a lot of mistakes. She's 17. But, like, I, I think this would have been a terrible mistake. He didn't let her do it, though. But I think she was going a little far. But I think that does. The fact that she was even willing to broach that part of it, to me, tells me that she was really trying. She was trying to explain to him why this option is not an option for her. That she has something that she's got to do that's super important. And she starts to try to explain it. But this guy's so in his fucking feelings. He doesn't even let her get it out. He just walks away. This is true. And fuck, let's fuck see Sir Kristen Cole. He's an idiot. Beautiful music plays, by the way. Question for you. That music, I know, I know you can't just like press play and hear it right now, but the music, like, that we get right at this moment, this transition of scenes from the boat to Allison. Great stuff. I'm wondering if that's Renera's theme because we've heard it two or three Ooh. times. I think they might, might be Renera's theme. It's a go back and listen to it, folks. It's a heavy drum beat, and then there's some strings that start hitting toward the back end of the piece. It's it's really catchy and good. I think that might be Renera's theme. Cut to Alicent. She's watching the king as he gets back, and guess what, Spencer? King falls. Do- king falls down. Uh, fulfilling all the concerns that her father just instilled in her about how the succession could happen tomorrow. Are you ready? Yep, she just falls right the fuck down. Oh, gosh. Viserys. What are we going to do with him, Spencer? What are we going to do with him? Uh, apparently watch him endure for at least another decade or two. Yeah, they holler for Melos. And then somebody says, prepare the crucible. Did I get that line right? 
What, what the fuck the is hell that was that? What was that? I don't that? know what that meant. Sort of, I don't I don't understand what it means. I, I maybe the king really likes plays that are centered around the Puritan era. Maybe that's exactly what's going to happen right now. Otherwise, I have no clue. I had no idea what the hell that meant. Prepare the crucible. Anyway, cut to Cole. Someone tells him he's being summoned, but he just left the princess. Nope. To the queen. Cut to the queen. She's got Helena in her arms. Guess what Helena's doing? What is Helena doing? She's crying. Spencer, she got colic. I called it. <laughs> Bravo, sir. Bravo. Should never doubt you and your baby diagnosis. Before. That is right. Podcast doctor that I am. She hands the baby off and in comes Sir Kristen. She says, I fear I must question you on a delicate matter, Sir Kristen. Kristen says, I did it. Okay. I did give, it. I did can it. We give, can we give it? Uncle Lee, can you give advice to the kids on this particular point of, of, of Kristen Cole's confession? Here's the thing, folks. I think that your life will be easier if you don't lie. I think it's a self-interested thing, to be honest, because you don't have to keep track of lies because people can trust you. You can have genuine, real friendships and you can go to sleep at night feeling pretty good about yourself. I think telling the truth is a self-interested thing. It's better for you in the long run to tell the truth. However, you only need to tell the truth when somebody asks you the question. You don't need to fucking offer the question. You don't have to offer everything you know to everybody at all times. Like he wasn't even asked the question here, dude. Like what the fuck is he doing? He is dumb. He's a dumb man. This is approaching the levels of Lee. How you doing today? I killed somebody when I was eight. Oh, we were going to get there. Maybe. Yeah. God. She says it concerns our dear. This is Allison still talking. It concerns our dear princess Renera. The night of Damon's return, there's been a rumor, or rather my father received an accounting of a lapse of morals that may have occurred. Here's the thing she goes on, she goes on though, and I think this line right here, you're, you, you love Allison, obviously your favorite character. I think this is the, the line right here that you would really love. She goes, mm-hmm. I am not a, unaware that in a flush of youth, there may be errors made, breaches and resolve, uh-huh. breaches uh-huh. or rather lapses. So, Hey, look, man, she, she gets it. I'm cool. I'm cool, we, right? That's what we, she's doing. Hey, we talked about back in that episode when she was angrily confronting yes. Rhaenyra. To what degree there was Little a certain jealousy. element of jealousy going in there. there that, hey, she's human. She's had desires. She had to completely bury them under, you know, the floorboards for the sake of burying Viserys. And I think she's referencing that here. And hey, 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 we talked about, we talked about the prior scene. This is, you know, showing a certain empathy, a certain human understanding. Like, I understand where this is coming from. I get it. I'm trying to make this seem more reasonable right now, to meet you on a human level right now. What she doesn't understand is to what degree she is actually doing that. And he just goes, it happened, your grace. The sin you alluded to, I have committed it. Wasn't, Wasn't asked the question. He was not asked. He just threw this out. And Allison looks gobsmacked. She looks suspect, but she very quickly covers it and starts rolling with it. Like, didn't oh, expect yeah. this, didn't expect this, but yes, please keep talking. Please keep talking. I need to know more. Yeah, she stays quiet and she, she starts to, there's so much mental gymnastics going on here, but there is anger that is starting to bubble and swell and it gets real, real fucking fast for Allison. And she stays mad, by the way, folks. She She's pissed for a while. She, I think she. I mean, there's some people arguing that oh, Rhaenyra didn't lie to her. Rhaenyra just said that she didn't. Rhaenyra lie lied to her. I'm. I am all. I am Queen Black. I'm Team Black. I'm for my queen all the time. Go Rhaenyra. Rhaenyra lied. 
at a, at a minimum by omission, a minimum by hiding the issue completely from somebody that's supposed to be your very close friend. I'm with Allison here and being pissed, and more pointedly, knowing that she cannot trust Rhaenyra going forward. I think that that's the issue. I'm not sure that she's mad that Rhaenyra didn't explicitly come out and say, hey, oh, yeah, by the way. Um, it's, you know, it's answer the question you asked, right? Damon, Damon, no, no. Yeah, Kristen it, Cole, though, yeah, hot snack. It's like, look, I, I'm not a lawyer, but I know in a deposition you answer the question you're asked, right? That's it. Yes, and no and more. No answers. Yeah, my, my that's client, it. Yes. Yeah. And that's, so I'm not sure she's mad that she didn't just volunteer this thing about Sir Kristen Cole. I think what she's doing is going, so wait a second. She's just fucking everybody now. Is that what's going on? I think that's what it's going on my, in her mind. My my dad started today by saying that she may fuck me. The list of people that she is fucking is getting longer. My concerns are going up. Wait a up. second. Is this just everybody in this damn house? I think that's what she's doing. Sir Kristen Cole, because his guilt is so bad, he doesn't even attempt to frame it in a way that would be truthful and helpful to him because he glides right over this fact. He goes, at her instigation, it is true, but that should be no excuse. If I was him... I would say, look, I was ordered. <laughs> if she asked me the question, I'd say, yeah. And I'd say, look, she's kind of made, look, I did it. Yes, I did do it. But she sort of made me do it. And that is true. Yeah. It, let's remember, folks, I am her sworn sword. That is also within the scope of this right now. <laughs> I'm not going to lie and say I didn't enjoy it, but she did sort of make me do it. Anyway, he says, my oath has been broken. I have dishonored myself. I deserve no consideration. Just flagging, flag, whack, whack, right on the back, whack, it, whack. Almost he almost looks relieved. This has just been weighing on him. Again, needs friends. He should have been able to confide this to somebody that's not the queen. <sighs> Man, can you imagine if you went to Westerling to like ask for you know friend advice on this topic right now? The dude's oh, got God. no support. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> Harold Westerling's not the guy. He's like <laughs> he's like the father figure to Rhaenyra. He probably would have gelded himself. He says, look, as a Clement queen, if you were inclined to pity, I would ask you only this. Rather than gelding me and having me tortured, you sentence me to a merciful death. That's what he asked for. Mm-hmm. She's flushed with emotions, almost crying, turns away and says, thank you for your honesty, Sir Kristen. You may go. The second time this episode that she gives him back his life. And this is important because we've been debating. We've been the fandom is well, the first debating, of two. Yeah. How did these two get so close? How did he get so vehemently loyal to the green cause? And this is the show's explanation for how that happens. We get two moments of when he thinks he is about to die once by his own hand later. And she hands him back his life, gives him purpose, gives him meaning, gives him a means to restore himself. This yeah. is like, you love Rome, but this is, you know, Mark Anthony tor- turning to our good friend Varinus and giving him a cause to believe in again when he's at his lowest level. Also, there's also that supplemental thing of Renera was just sort of mean to him. So it, there's, there's, all, there's, yeah, all, yeah there's other, there's other things too. Yeah. Well, I don't, I'm not, I'm not really comparing these because see, that's the thing. That's, that's something everybody that, is. A lot of people are wondering, will Sir Kristen Cole and Allison like hook up and stuff? Mm-mm. I don't, I, I honestly, I cannot, I, this is not spoilery. I don't know what the show's going to do. I just I, don't. I don't get that from Allison. I sincerely hope the show doesn't. Cause I, I know because you be, love Allison so much. Not not even just that. I think it would just be so out of <laughs> keeping for our understanding of the characters. I mean, I, you just have allowed me to create that narrative. Allison's I, your favorite character. You just accept it, and now it's, it's just it's, canon. <laughs> it's getting increasingly true. A because I like the actors greatly. She's so they, good. They have made, also the show has done such a wonderful job of making the characters such more, so much more three dimensional and interesting than the book ever was. Yeah, for sure. And also, I have to subject, you know, just 
it happens, have contrary thoughts to you. So the fact that you like Rhaenyra requires me to start liking Allison more. Yeah, I've turned you into a green. I'll tell you this. Here's the thing. Like, it is a very, I don't, don't, don't like the hot towers. Fuck the hot towers. Hate the hot towers. But it is very smart for her to just let him go right now. Even if she oh, does, yeah. even if she's not like, even if she doesn't like her, Sir Kristen Cole or trying to be nice to him or save his life or whatever, it also just like, it's a very situation, right? Like you oh, have yeah. a, you have, now you have someone you have almost complete control over it, you know, who is still the sworn sword of Renera. Like it, 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 it absolutely is her building her power base. Absolutely. hundred percent. This is, this is an incredibly adept maneuver on her part, but it has a certain element of like the, the Dread Pirate Roberts of good night, sleep well, I'm most likely to kill you tomorrow. Then she can just keep that hanging over him yep. while also keeping him as a loyal follower from the image that she has spared his life. Cuts of his hair. He's out on a chair. His arm is really messed up. Question for you, Spencer. Is what we're seeing on his left arm in this scene, is that ointment or are those open sores? That looked like open sores in some form of severe skin condition of some shape and form of riding. Well, uh, <laughs> I know I can't I, identify it. I'm I know not since a doctor, and I've I not heard in the show what it is. You're not going to. They don't know what that disease is, but it is leprosy. But that my I, my question was just if if they had put ointment on his arm because it looked like it kind of looked like to me maybe that because I know that they're trying to treat him in some way. So I'm just trying to figure out all the treatments that they're trying on him. Well, they pointedly say they're not using various forms of potions later, but it does look like it's at least wet in a way that isn't just yeah. water. So he's got, he's obviously got like the leprosy sores all over his arm here. And Melo says he's going to prepare the leeching. Well, for those that don't know, leeching killed the godfather of America, George Washington. Leeching is pretty bad, Spencer. I don't it, like leeching very much at all. I'm just going to tell you that. It does even today have certain modern medical uses. The problem is when it's used explicitly for the purpose of bleeding. Bleeding not good. Bleeding cause problems. Yeah. Don't, you, you don't need to like just take the blood out of people who are sick, which is what they did to, to old GW. That was a bad move. Bad mm-hmm. move, Spencer. Bad doctors. Leeches, they were innocent victims. Viserys asks where the queen is, and the hand says she's otherwise occupied. Did you get? Did I got the sense that Viserys was pretty fucking annoyed that his wife wasn't there right then? More than a little bit. They're they're starting to get pretty. They're getting separated. We we see that, we see that quite a bit this episode. We saw previously how much of it was a tender moment between the two of them when she was there for this moment to see him in that moment of weakness to see his injuries and help care for him. It was a warm and tender moment between the two of them. And maybe they will never have those moments again, based on what we see increasingly in this episode. So he says to... So first off, I got the impression that the king is drinking milk of the poppy on the sly. Uh, King seemed a little bit intoxicated. But he's doing it on the sly because the strong waits until the maester leaves to hand him the bottle that Uh the king drinks from. So I think the king has a little special stash of milk of the poppy, which I would be like, shit. I mean, you know, fucking leprosy is a painful condition. I don't blame him. It's just interesting that he feels like he has to hide it from the maesters. Honestly, here's a here's a move that would be worth considering. King should have considered should be considering stepping down. And so just that's having- the. That's the connection to Baldwin the Fourth that I, I want to continue to draw the parallel because Baldwin the Fourth, young kid, he's king. And he, get, 
he, I think he takes over when he's 16 years old. Wins an incredible victory over Saladin. And he can, he try, yeah, he tried, yeah, Saladin, who was trying to take Jerusalem back for the Muslims, he, he tried to abdicate so many times. Mm-hmm. He knew that he needed to step down. He kept trying and trying to step down. That is my, I'm so glad you brought this up, Spencer. This is why you need to be on the podcast, why I don't fucking hey, do it by here. myself. Why, that is such a great point. Why the fuck isn't this, cause this is the one way. That he can guarantee his succession works is if he abdicates right now and then the lords of Westeros would be forced to make Rhaenyra queen because he'd be watching and he could ensure that she could take over and actually rule as queen. And by the way, he's sick. He should be doing it anyway. We just saw that his ability to execute the office of king is is, is compromised. Absolutely. He he should step down. I, I even threw an additional factor on there because Aegon is like two, three at this point. He can't legally serve as an alternative and heir. He's he's in his minority. He couldn't. Yeah, they'd have to have. Yeah, they'd have to have a like a regent for him for fucking thirteen years. Yes, (laughs) it'd be unbelievable. And effectively, they'd appoint. They'd have to view Rhaenyra as that regent. Yeah. So she. Yeah. This would this would solve all the problems, right? There's so many opportunities for Viserys to solve the problem. We've identified so many of them. Call a great council. Just make Aegon heir and just tell Rhaenyra, I'm sorry. If you do that, that that could clear things up. Have Rhaenyra marry Aegon. That could clear things up. Abdicate. Give it to Rhaenyra right now. That could clear things up. Give, give Rhaenyra an open and public basis of power in terms of, you know, already starting her in terms of ruling the realm. This doesn't have to be like an immediate I, I resign tomorrow, but make this a two-year plan of now she's like co-king with you. And go along those ways. Make it a Roman Emperor style of where you're kind of ruling effectively together until you step down and resign and she's already in the position already. Dude can make this work, but dude defaults to doing nothing at every opportunity. Yeah. Baldwin IV tried this so many times. And by the way, there's a movie where Baldwin IV is in it called Kingdom of Heaven. They don't really show this in Kingdom of Heaven, but it's true you that Baldwin – last year of his that life. Baldwin, right. But you don't see that he's trying to abdicate the entire sure. show. Because that, that is true that Baldwin was trying – and he had a sister who married a dumbbell – and that screwed Guy. him, that screwed him up. So he would, he was struggling to try to abdicate, but Viserys never seems to consider abdicating the throne here. And I find that just very, very stupid. Damn shame. Damn shame. Yeah. He asked his hand, will I be remembered as a good king? This sounds like drunk talk, Spencer. Sounds it's like dr- drunk talk. It's drunk talk. This is a great conversation. The two says, great actors love the scene between them. What will they say of me when the histories are written? I have neither fought nor conquered nor suffered any great defeat. Strong says, well, some might call that good fortune. Viserys says, hardly makes a good song, does it, to be sung at feast in a hundred years? Five hundred? Strong says, you carried King Jaehaerys' legacy. Jaehaerys, the good king, mm-hmm. preceded Viserys, yes. ruled over 50 plus years of peace in Westeros, created the King's Road, created a lot, just did a lot of stuff. The, the man created Westeros more than anybody before him. Aegon well, started the process, Magor damn near, Aenys did nothing, Magor damn near fucked it up, and Jaehaerys made it a, a working function. Aenys did not do kingdom. nothing. That's so mean that you said that. I, 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 it's unfair, but it is the popular perception on the guy. He said, you kept the realm strong. Is it not better to live in peace than to have sung the song, have the songs sung about you when you were dead? Perhaps, but there is a part of me that wishes I had been tested off to think that in the crucible, I may have been forged a different man. And then, still not taking the bait. Mm-hmm. Lionel Strong says, men who have been tested only wish to have been spirit. Finally, Viserys said, what the fuck? You know, another lord might have assured me that I would rise like Aegon the Conqueror if given the chance. Like, he's like, dude, fluff me up a little bit. I was, like, giving, you the, I was giving you the opportunity for an easy compliment here, man. 
Strong tries to interject, and the king, now good and thoroughly drunk, just says, "You know what? You're right. You're right as always." This, and I think that that is a real tip of the hand of how he really feels about Lionel Strong, because he's like almost passed out, fucked up here on Milk of the Poppy, and he goes, "You're right. You're right as always." Yeah, it is perhaps best not to know. You could have easily just offered me flattery. I wanted you to provide me flattery right here. This was a moment of vulnerability of where I was kind of going for you to offer me the easy compliment. But you were too good of an advisor to even offer me that element of misleading commentary. Cut away the sky and two dragons appear. We get a new dragon, Spencer. We get a new dragon. So one of these dragons is Sea Smoke with Lanor. We've already seen that in the Battle of the Stepstones. The other one, the one that we're seeing the most of, the red dragon, is Maylees. Maylees is the red is is nicknamed the Red Queen, and that is ridden by Rainies. So that's two of the dragons showing up to the wet. I kind of wish they'd zoomed in a little bit just to make that open and obvious, because otherwise, no one other than us knows that. No one who has not read the books knows who's on this dragon right now. Why wouldn't they just show us? That it's Rainey's riding a dragon with her son. I agree. They sh- I think they should have. I, I, I think th- I, I don't see the point in being that coy with a fan base that has no reason to know that. I think they have been at times. We saw this w- with the reveal of Sea Smoke. I think that they, I don't know why they've been hiding the information about dragon riders the way they have from a show only audience. Because otherwise, it comes across as jarring when the information comes out later. More organically work than in show. Come on. I think there's opportunities for them to do that, but you're right. They should have. They should have just zoomed in. I don't know why they didn't. I agree. Uh, then we see Valerian ships, a lot of them coming to King's Landing, and strength, mm-hmm. strength of House Valerian. Then we hear that the royal celebrations have started. The Lannisters are introduced. You know, it's so the Lannisters are the Lannisters are absolutely. You know what this is? Everybody knows I like wrestling. So when they're doing a a live premium event, these used to be called pay per views. Think WrestleMania, right? Mm-hmm. There's always like the main card. There's like the Stone Cold versus Shawn Michaels, the main thing. But then there's always a pre-show and there's a match in the pre-show. This yeah. is where the Lannisters are on the hierarchy. They're in the match on the pre-show. They're like introduced <laughs> before people have even got to the party. Well, That's where the Lannisters are right now. I, Harold Westerling is providing MC services right now in terms of introducing everybody. I think he still does a good job of pumping them up to the room. James Halpert. James, how you remember that episode of The Office with Dwight was screaming that? that. Uh, I can't. I don't know if you're telling me the truth or not because you, you you told me that you watched all the next ons and that wasn't true. So I can't trust you. It, it was a prank by Jim where he provided a garden guide to how best to do this. That was the only copy they ever sold through Amazon. Is this is the one you're referencing. Quick Google, quick Google is what you did. The Lannisters didn't are introduced. Even move my hands, you with <laughs> Jason Lannister leading. Then we see that. So that answers our question, right? We were wondering if Jason or because Ty- Jason and Tylen Lannister are twins. They are. But Jason, I guess, was born twelve seconds earlier or whatever, and he he leads the family. So then we see the High Towers introduced. Interesting to me that with Otto just being fired, Hobart High Tower st- Hobart High Tower still shows up. That he does. We hear a bit why from him later. I'm curious to your thoughts on his explanation. Up comes Jason Lannister and hilarious. Rhaenyra rolls her eyes as he's walking up. He says, hello, it's a good match. And she says, I can be with no better man than Sir Lannister. I love her. I love her, Spencer. <laughs> she's great. I mean, as much as I mock her, Walk she you, could Jason. do better. She's awesome. <laughs> just a smack in his face. Jason says, well, you know, it's just... You know, if this is just the welcome event, I can imagine what you have planned. You know, he's just fumbling to try to sound good in front of the king. Now, when he gets this line out, let's go back a couple episodes. This would be the time to leave. 
He doesn't know. He lingers. He's a lingerer. Yeah. The, the, the line, that, that line about this is a welcome feast, I admit, I can only imagine what will be planned for the rest of the wedding. That's a perfect exit line. Viserys loves lines like that. He loves, yes. that's a dad joke. Viserys loves it. He makes the same joke later when he says, oh, this little feast or whatever. He loves that joke. And it would have been a great moment to exit on. If anything, his little laugh, he could, could be interpreted as a laugh at himself, like, oh, yes, you picked the better map. I understand. Wonderful party you're throwing. Have a nice day. But no, he has to get in like eight more lines after that. And he asks about the queen, which only irritates Viserys. It just irritates him. He's like, yes. he doesn't want to have to answer that question. She's not, what do you, I mean, Jason, you have eyes. She's not fucking here. So he says, well, the queen is still readying herself. Jason, then coming in, banger of a joke. Are you ready for it? Uh, yeah, please. Well, your grace, this is why men wage war, because a woman would never be ready for battle in time. <laughs> you sir, you you've done stand up. How would you score that joke? Zero. Zero out of ten. Zero. I mean, I guess I have to give it a one because there is a punchline, but mm. it's bad. Re- here's the thing, Renera. I don't think I think she's so put off by him. She's not thinking because the answer here is to just say, "Oh, been in a lot of battles yourself, huh, Jason?" <laughs> Please tell me more about battles, Jason Lannister. Yeah. Give me a fucking break. He's such a jackass. Anyway, Rhaenyra just rolls her eyes and says, your presence is always such a pleasure, Lord Jay. She hates this guy. Yeah, but look at her being diplomatic. There's hope for her. That's not, that That was sarcastic. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Sarcastic and diplomatic can be the exact same words. I don't know. I felt like everybody knew. I mean, at least Viserys knew it was sarcastic because he kind of shot her a look. Mm-hmm. The Hightower is walking up to the king's table, but Sir Gerald Royce cuts them right off says congratulations or in order king says look we're honored to have you here but i just want to tell you this sorry about later lady reyes passing i will say this about this is the most effective moment i have ever seen viserys and renera ruling together because the king offers yeah which is what by the way what baldwin did at one point Mm -hmm. um he he totally could do this because he says he basically gets the conversations going. He says, I'm really sorry to hear this. And then Rhaenyra follows up and goes, look, if there's anything that we can do, like they are, they're kind of doing it together. I thought that was like a very brief moment of what could be. What a wonder it would have been if they'd done this and put, started putting this in motion a year ago. Yep. Like you said, then we get Lord Corlys, master of the tides, lord of Drithmark and his lady Reyes in the sun and air lane. Oh, Valerian. So, yeah, a big, huge uh, ovation here for him. They get a standing ovation, and he comes in in strength, boy. He rolls deep. Oh, yeah. Entire family in motion coming into this room right now. And I'll tell you this. During this standing ovation, Lord Be- Lord Beesbury looks happy, Spencer. Man looks happy. He's he having really a good, good time. Beesberry is having the time of his no, life. I love how they cut the Beesberry all the time. And he's like guffawing. And then later we see him getting up and leaving. Like, I, I, I guess he's the pole for the audience. Like, if everybody's having a good time. <laughs> How's Lord Beesberry doing? <laughs> this, this is, you want, you want to know what the man on the street thinks? Follow your Beesberry. Cole is watching this and watching Renera, and he is watching her a lot, which is kind of causes the main conflict in this scene. Mm. Renira walks out from behind the table, takes the hand of Sir Laner and says, my betrothed. Jason kind of rolls his eyes and huffs. Jason, I'll tell you this about Jason Lannister. Uh, obviously a misogynist, obviously egotistical, obviously full of himself. He is kind of funny a little bit though. Like, oh, yeah. uh, he, that, this little like huff and rolling of his eyes, it's something I probably would have done too. <laughs> 
Cole Brother seems really you. Cole seems really distraught this entire time. Cut to some of the servants bowing, and Lenor's paramour is there. He's there, Spencer. So Joffrey Lonmouth is in presence. Joffrey Lonmouth, yeah, he, we get the name later. So I've been calling him paramour in the notes, but his name's Joffrey Lonmouth. And I think that at that moment, the bow when he looks up at Lenor and they clock eyes, I think that's when Renera picks up on who it is. I again, this silver confidence, it plays out well. <laughs> But I was getting finding the interaction between Lenor and his paramour over the course of this wedding increasingly insufferable from how flagrant it is. They're making no effort to hide their affections for each other. They're making no, no effort to hide their relationship. And that's dangerous. Yeah, I had so, a conversation with a buddy of mine about this. He said he he used that as evidence that the episode sort of strained credulity or that it was like he couldn't believe it. There. But I I mean, I come at it from the books, and in the books, basically, Renera and Lainer high-five. They say, let's do what we want. And then in the wedding ceremony, which this is – I mean, this is not the wedding ceremony, but it, it's kind of all in the same bucket, right? It's a party about the wedding. Like, they – Renera's off doing her thing with her guys, and Lainer's doing her, his thing with his guys, and, like, they're just having a ball together. And, like, it's very obvious to everybody attending that Lainer is – romantically involved with this guy Renera's involved romantically involved with someone else and everybody's just having one big party around it and I came to it from that perspective and so like the fact that he was being a little overly like uh, and you're right they were being pretty obvious about it I just thought it was like playing out what is in the books I did not take it as it not being realistic or something I it's yet again we have this argument all the time where you like you'll say well, that wasn't realistic. And I go, yeah, that's kind of the point. Like they were overdoing it. And you go, yeah, but they were overdoing it. And I'm like, yeah, in universe, they're overdoing it. And we kind of talk past each other. And that is, I think what we're coming to with respect to this, of where I thought it was a little bit over the top. I thought particularly the stage whispers that the two engage in throughout almost all of the scene of where they're supposed to be whispering to each other, but they're speaking at just normal volume with an Wait entire room of people Wait. around them. They still have to, they still have to have a show. Like they, they can this, do it in ways that don't no. immediately just make me roll my eyes about, oh, look at them keeping a secret as like six people just walked between them right now. Let me get this right. When you're watching a Broadway play and like two of the characters step out in front of the scene and start talking, are you but, like, oh, every, why can't everybody hear them? Like, because this the is crazy. Because the medium requires it. That's why it's even referred to as a stage whisper. This does too. This, no, it doesn't. They have, they don't, they're not confined to have a stage with one perspective on it. The camera can rotate. They can go in a corner. So, I just find it fascinating what you, what you lock in on. So the fact that their voices were a little louder than you would have liked, that's the, what, that's what the, stopped you from and they were leaving in, this episode? And they, and they were in the open and that they were in public and that they were being so open about aspects of what they pointedly are saying have to be kept secret. That's one of the biggest issues I couldn't square with it of where they say to themselves that this is a secret we have to maintain. We are keeping secrets. I'm going to talk to this guy about the fact that we're sharing secrets, but their actions throughout throughout this entire scene are doing none of that. It's it's like hard, though, because sometimes I feel like you can't portray a character making a mistake without you going, oh, well, they made a mistake. That's not they shouldn't have. That's not real. Yes, that's the point, Spencer. They, these characters are fucking up. There's they're fu- of- they're kids. There's levels of fucking up that take me out of the moment just because they will have repercussions in a way that I, both in the episode so far and in the future, I know they won't actually be going into, and that frustrates me. Right, but like, yeah, but let's not, let's not talk in abstract. What you're upset about in this particular moment is that 
they're a little obvious with their touching of each other and that their voices are louder than you would have liked. That's the two things I've gotten from you. If you want to put it in that particular perspective, sure, I'll let you have that one. Well, no, but what else? What else are you upset about? Like, Where, let's keep talking about these two. Like, like, cause you, you said that, that takes you out of the episode and I actually take issue with that because I feel like this is one of the better scenes we've ever seen on any game of the really? stadium. This, yes. this, this is your top, a top not, five not, scene for you. It is unbelievably good. And, and, and I'm, I, I, I was waiting to poke holes and like you saying things took you out of it because like, I mean, honestly, I feel bad for you that it took you out of it because I felt like this scene was so good because it because it happened in episode five because there are so many we know so much about all of the different actors and so much is going on at one time. Fundamentally, the show is supposed to be entertaining. We're not writing a freshman college literature paper here. This is supposed to be but a you've fun been writing out every week. I make the joke about the high school lit paper, but like the point is, is that this is supposed to be a fun hour of television. And I feel like when you have a scene like this with so many dynamics, so much going on, so much tension, the music is building and it all sort of swells and goes. I felt like it was a wildly entertaining 15 minutes of television. I think one of the things that's ultimately going to color my impressions is how the scene ended, which was blunt, coarse, unnecessary and unrealistic in a way that we, I'm going to fight you on if you disagree with me on the subject of it later. Okay, uh, And I think that then leads me to look back at certain scenes like this and see signs of ultimately where they're going to go that come across as just unnecessarily obvious or see unnecessarily that? blunt. And that can be in frustrating. From a directorial standpoint rather than necessarily a character standpoint. And that's – see, thank you for saying that because that's what I felt like was going on here. I felt like your your problem wasn't really that their fucking voices were a little louder than you would have liked. Like that, that to me is so minor. It's a little – but, like, you have another problem, and that's what you... Yeah, okay, we'll get there. And, and it, it leads to a coloring of all the scenes that came before them, because it, 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 it puts the capstone on a series of moments. And then, <laughs> then, Spencer, Damon walks in. <laughs> Good God. <laughs> Damon doing Damon things. Damon uh-huh. just walks in. Viserys seem irritated. Question for you, if you're Viserys in this moment, what do you do? Because I heard a lot of fans online arguing about this, like, well, he should have... I'm not sure what choice he has here. What would you do if you're Viserys? Damon walks in. Something. More than what you do. I mean, you've exiled him. He's not allowed to return to King's Landing. Kick him out. You've got guards. They don't do anything throughout the entire scene, but you presumably have guards. Use them. I think he's terrified that... He, he doesn't want to, sh- he's so worried about appearance and the, the, how House Targaryen is quote appearing that he doesn't, he doesn't like to do the public squabble. Like I think if, I think if Damon, I, I completely agree, completely agree. But I think if Damon had walked in without all the audience there, I think Viserys would have kicked him out. I think it's the fact the audience is there. He doesn't want to show weakness in his mind. It shows more weakness that he does nothing and Damon, despite publicly being exiled everyone understanding that damon's been exiled he sits calmly at the king's table without a word does everybody know he's been exiled i think it's at least i mean the exile wasn't done in open court but this seems in the category of things where everyone understands what happened well i'll tell you this you haven't been married i've been married and inevitably if you try to have a big wedding someone shows up that either you forgot to invite who thought they were invited or that you just outright didn't invite so just uncle leads the kids out there. If you're getting married, make sure you have an extra place set, like ready, like Viserys did. Cause that was really clutch to be able to just like nod and have the chair and the plate brought over. That was really helpful. 
Yeah. Also, you know, if you're getting married and you have King's Guard and several thousand gold cloaks, you know, use them. Just use them. Have them available. Moments like this or, you know, straight up brawls between guests later, it's useful to have armed people on hand. Sure. Yeah. I spe- Well, I mean, I think that, like, that's... I, t- I talked about how I found this scene so completely entertaining because of all of the dynamics. And obviously one of the di- dynamics they were trying to show you is that the progression of the series becoming more and more, more and more weak. And, and, it, and it's related to his physical handicap, right? Like he's just, it's what he should abdicate. Like we're talking about because his ability to be the king is suffering here because he feels, you can tell he just feels awful. Yeah. He looks like he just feels like shit. And when all hell breaks loose, he's just paralyzed. Now, he wasn't particularly effective before, but whatever little bit of effectiveness he would have had in that situation before is completely compromised by his physical handicap. There's also an ambiguity on the subject of power. Like we said, he should be resigning. He should be transitioning to Rhaenyra ruling. But also, if he's not willing to do that, he should be making clear to Lord Strong that Lord Strong can wield independent authority without consulting with the king. So we get several moments later of Lord Strong is kind of looking at the king to tell what to do. Yes, yes. And the king isn't doing shit, and so Lord Strong has to be comfortable enough to wield those orders, but it takes the time to get there because the two of them haven't had that talk. I agree. Otto would have probably been a little better in this scene. Fuck high towers, hate the high towers, but he probably would have. Now, a question for you, Spencer. Um, the king starts a speech, mentions old Valeria. He stops, and then – what What do I hear? I, I think – is that music? Is that – is that – is that Alice in Towers music? I haven't heard that music before, but good God, does the lady know how Woo! to make an entrance. Woo! All right, so I talked about this in the review pod, but it is very, very important, symbolic. Great um, Huge that she is wearing a bright green dress. This is not a small thing. She is Alice. We keep calling her Alice in Hightower. She's Alice at fucking Targaryen. She's married to the king, a Targaryen. She should be wearing Targaryen colors here. What does she do? Woo! She's coming out in green. And, and it, it, it was a little on the nose, but I think it was necessary for the audience to have the two strong brothers turn to yes, each other yeah, as she's yeah. walking in. Cause it's a, it's a great scene. I, I don't honestly like a lot of how the action is done in this episode, but the non-action moments like this of just the power of a woman walking in in a dress and the entire room going silent as a result is so well done. It's so great. But it's a necessary element. It's a little on the nose, but the two strong brothers then turning to each other as she walks in and saying, it's it's something along the lines of um you know what it what what color do they light so, the beacon for House Hightower when they march to war? It's like green. Yeah, so you gotta so you, so obviously conveying information to the audience that they would understand the implication of the green dress, yeah. but also you did get a little bit of the dynamic between the two brothers, which I liked. Breakbones, Breakbones, and Larry's. Where Larry's is obviously the smart one, and he's just like, hey, guess what? I got a little piece. I got a little nugget for you. I mean, we all you're that guy. You're yes. that guy. When we're hanging out and we're out somewhere, you're the nugget guy. You're like, hey, Terry, did you know? Da, 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 da. And I'm like, oh, I didn't know that. Like that. It, I love that dynamic between the two of them. It was really cool. Mm-hmm. I agree. A little on the nose. But at least the audience knows mm-hmm. this symbol- how symbolic and important that green dress. Because what we got is that it's not just we, the audience, knows it's symbolic. The in-world audience knew it was symbolic. Yes. And I, I, though it's a little on the nose, I did not find it that jarring. I thought it was well worked in, particularly since it's the two of them sharing that conversation in a very brotherly way, and because they didn't go any farther. If they had then had an additional line afterwards says, oh, wow, she must be doing a rallying cry to march to war or something, to make it even more blunt, that would have been an issue. This little line between the two, it's obvious it's purpose, but it didn't take me out of it. 
So heel entrance all the way. Uh, I mean, it is such strong, such strong. a heel heel moment. Score it, score it, sir. Out of ten, ten, ten. ten. Her entrance was because he. First off, she did. She comes at him. She 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 doesn't even come from behind him. She comes directly she at the room. She, she faces him, parts the audience like a wrestling crowd, cuts his speech off to the point he doesn't even remember it, and she's not wearing the right colors, and the colors that she's wearing indicate that her allegiance lies elsewhere. It's just awesome all the way around. Ten out of ten. She was a curt hello to Renera. The king asked, um where was, was I? I? The hand reminds him Joining houses. So I I got the impression that like what they were also show like that okay, maybe it's a little funny. But they're telling you that the king is also not remembering things. The king's daughtering. Yeah. yeah. He's struggling. Like, he, he, his ability to execute the office is compromised, and they're showing it throughout the scene. And I thought that was really good. The hand reminds him. The king continues. He says this line, Spencer. I found this line very funny. I hope to herald in a second age of dragons in Westeros, which everyone starts clapping. Do they <laughs> fucking want that? Like... This is like going, this is literally, I'm sorry if this seems like offensive, but it's the only thing I can think of in the real world. This is like going to like Japan and being like, I hope to like usher in another age of like nuclear warfare. Like the, the people, the people <laughs> yeah. that the, the people that the fucking dragons have been unleashed on, he's talking to and asking them to cheer for dragons, field yeah. of fire, hair and halt. They, the whole yeah. basis of the Targaryen's power is that they're terrified of these fucking dragons. And he's like wanting them to give a standing O to dragons. They hate dragons. Yay. You killed my great grandfather. Yay. In the most b- brutal way humanly possible. Like, yeah. no, they don't like the drag. Like, I wish I, he could, I wish I could, I wish I had a little CJ Craig action there. Like, I wish I could have been the PR person and been like, hey, hey, King, like, maybe don't mention the dragons thing. They really don't fucking like the dragons. Yeah, I mean, I think it's effective just because it does further show just how actually removed Viserys yes. is from what yes. people are feeling. That he is so wrapped in his own little childhood delusions and dreams about, you know, the Valeria. Valeria that he's always defaulting to, well, everyone else must think that's awesome, too. Whereas, as you've said... Like, there's a Lannister right there. The guy probably lost family at the Field of Fire back when that happened. Unbelievable. The king then says they're going to have seven days of tournaments and feasting. And at the end of it all, a royal wedding. My daughter, the heir, your future queen. Uh, I like how he he threw that in, your future queen. mm -hmm. And so Lena Valerian, the heir to Driftmark. And then we see some folks playing the drums and dancing. We see one little person. Can't be Mushroom. Can't be. Can't be, Spencer. Can't be. We we were told we'd be getting Mushroom. This is the closest thing there could be to a mushroom in this episode. Here's this the thing. Is all the mushroom we're getting. No, I don't think so. I think that we're going to get mushroom when we get older, Rhaenyra. I think that they're, they're, they're going to let that relationship bloom them. Yeah, I think that, cause I mean, honestly, that's when he, she didn't have a lot of interaction with mushroom in the book until she got older. Yeah. So maybe that's what they're going. I hope this was not. This is yeah. your only mushroom cameo? How disappointing This would, would make you be? me very unhappy with Ryan Condal. I would send him a strongly worded email that I would type and then delete before I send it. Because <laughs> right. I really appreciate him. I think he's doing a great job. Uh, how, we have now a dance between the, you know, the, the, the buried couple. How awesome. would you score? I would just score the dance. Great. They did a good job. They're doing, they're doing exactly what they said they would do. We will do our duty. And by the way, they're, they're, Giggling with each other, they're yeah. small talking. They're, they're representing you're not gonna you're, look. You're not gonna get a lot of physical affection between the two of them. Why? Because they're not physically attracted to each other. But they do like each other, and I think that they're allowing the fact that they like each other to be displayed publicly in a really smart way. Like Renero was smart 
just start the small talk with him and go, well, you know, I really wasn't good at dancing so that everyone can see that. That was really smart on her part. Mm-hmm. Shout out, shout out, Renera. I agree. Ha ha ha. Gotcha. The dance is over. There's no get me there. <laughs> I did. I got you. Good. Then the dance is over and everyone claps <laughs> and then everyone mingles. Damon claps, seems self-satisfied, sits back. The music continues and everyone gets up to dance. See, this is the part like dirt that from that moment until the bra and then toward the end of the bra, like I was riveted in this scene because of so much going on. Like I love, like I, again, I always fall back. I always fall back on like, and I know maybe I just repeat myself too much, but I always fall back on like these things are supposed to be entertaining and they really built a lot of these storylines to get us to a point. If they'd have had this scene in episode one, we'd have been bored to tears, but because it's in episode five, because we have all that rich history with these characters, I found it just super fucking entertaining. Like my fa- my favorite medium to get a story other than a book is a stage play. Mm-hmm. And this is this reminded me so much of a stage play where there's so it's much shit, much so much shit going on, and you're having to watch everyone, and like you're pointing out to like your spouse or whatever. Hey, do you see that? See that? Like. All that going on. That's why I just love this so much. I thought this was really, really good. And like, I was kind of shocked to hear that you were like, you, you, like, it's funny, like, you, you didn't listen to the pod, but like, I, I was talking about how much I loved it. And I said, I wish Spencer was here because he'd throw cold water on me. And then like, an hour later, you texted me, you're like, I don't like this shit. Like, so you did it. I didn't go that far. You kind of did. Like, so, but I, I honestly think this is one of the most entertaining sequences that we've gotten, like non-battle sequences, as far as like being on the edge of your seat that we've gotten. I thought it was really good. In part because it is a battle sequence. We see that in several moments of where there may be no blades drawn now, uh, but hmm. these are characters that are actively fighting duels as they go through these conversations. That's a good point. Maybe that maybe that's part. Yeah, that, that, that that's, that's a good way to put it. I like that. Um, so Allison walks over to greet her uncle. This is what we were talking about before. The uncle says, I worried that given leave of your father's shadow, you might wither in King's Landing sun, but you good stood line. tall. Know that King's Landing stands with you. What does that mean, Spencer? Know that Old Town stands with you. Old Town. I actually have it right. I have it right on my my, my, my notes. Yeah. Know that Old Town stands with you. Well, this, this answers the question we had earlier about why Hobart showed up. Of where he's representing that he is a concerned uncle, and that you're just like you know, it sucks and it's unfair what happened to your dad. I, as your family, want to check and sure and make make sure you're doing okay. But you seem to be doing awesome. I just want to let you know that we're here for you. That's what he's literally saying. What he's also saying is, hey, when you want to call the banners, send me a message. Between that and the fact that she's wearing green, it almost seems like the hot towers are getting dangerously close to like threatening military action and all oh, of yeah. this. He basic they're basically saying that when when you want open rebellion to happen, open rebellion. When is we important. when we need to push Aegon, we got people to back you up. And like they, they're a powerful house. Uh, yeah, dragons, got, though. Dragons, though. Dragons. I, but they got thousands of troops. Won't that be enough? Dragons. No. <laughs> it will not. It will not. <laughs> That's the thing. That's the thing that almost, like, pulls me out. Of, like, I, I understand that it makes sense because people have such pride. And, like, Westeros, all of these lords had all this power before the Targaryens showed up. And so they're used to – and when they go back to their little rock or whatever, they're able to wield they're, that power. But it, in reality, they all seem to miss the target that, like – if a dragon shows up, they're all fucked anyway. It doesn't matter. But I got to ask you, sir, is Allison any man's fool? No, no, she's not because she it, doesn't. She she seems happy with the support, but I don't think that she's like. We're yeah, marching let's, tomorrow. Let's let's start. Mar- yeah, she's not Cersei, right? She doesn't. She's not got let that power get to her head yet. 
Allison is Otto's daughter in many ways, and she is a girl that is perfectly content, more so than her uncle, certainly, to have a 15-year plan. So this is... So I'll continue to talk about why I was so entertained by this. Renera is continuing to dance with Leonor. At this point, everybody's joined the dance floor. Like, yeah. And this is actually so really, this is really like actually how it works, right? I remember when I got married, first thing, me and my wife, we did the first dance that everybody joined in and I kept dancing with my wife while everybody else was around me. That's exactly what Renera is doing with Leonor here. And as she's dancing with Leonor, three people are watching her that we see. Allison is watching and seething. Yes. Anger. Cole is watching nervously. Like just there's like real emotions going on in Cole right now, and Damon is watching, smiling. Yes, smiling in a way that I'm not comfortable with. Smiling I am, in a way that's insidious. True, true love, true love. Then Gerald Royce jumps up to talk to Damon. Uh oh, mm-hmm. uh oh. In the veil, men are made to answer for their crimes, even Targaryens. Damon, I, who yeah. are you? <laughs> one, one thing I, I do want to say that I do appreciate. Uh, I think this is a little bit of an addition because it was only really Bronze Jan that I remember that always wore bronze armor with him. But I do appreciate on the show that it appears to be the marker of House Royce is that they are wearing bronze at all times. Yeah, no. Damon just says, who are you? Yeah, utterly dismissive. Uh, Sir Crispin? Crispin? Is that your name? I, um, Sir Gerald, he does this all the time. He does a what's your name thing? Hmm. Uh, he says, Sir Gerald Royce of Runestone, Damon, and? And the guy walks up. Now, the music being played, by the way, High tension music. If you, you listen to it, it's like super staccato, a lot of strings. It's a lot of like major keys. It's like, yeah, the music's making you just go like this. Mm-hmm. Cole is watching, uh, still, you're still getting back and forth with Cole. And then we go back to this, the conversation and he says, I am cousin to your late lady wife, Damon. Oh, yes, terrible thing. I'm positively bereaved. Oh, yes, yes. Such yes. a tragic accident. How, how will he ever cope, sir? He says, it was no accident. Damon says, are you confessing some guilt, Sir Jerry? <laughs> I am making an accusation. <laughs> and it's funny when he says, I'm making an, hand, a, a, an accusation. Lionel Strong looks over and it's almost like when you're at, you're like, I, I, everybody on this podcast knows I don't drink anymore. Used to drink though. And we were, at, we'd be at a bar, right? Mm-hmm. And like you had that friend that always would like start shit and you're like all sitting around, you're watching the game or whatever. And then you look over and you're like, oh shit, not again. Like that's yeah. what Lionel it, Strong is good. He's going it, to, oh shit, not again. Look it, at Damon. It, it was a very much a moment of, am I going to watch somebody kill somebody right now? Is this oh, what's about to happen? Oh shit, not again. Oh God, this guy. And, um, so the Damon says in King's Landing, men are made to answer for their slanders. Even old bronze, even old bronze cunts like you. Beat, beat. The truth is, I'm glad you've come. I wish to speak to you about my inheritance. Oh, look at that! Those who question whether Damon did, didn't do this. Well, that, that doesn't that doesn't mean he did it. It, it. At a minimum, he is making use of the circumstances. Let's use that to possibly question his motives. I am not saying so. He could have done it for sure. I just don't, I, I wish, I honestly wish they would have just given us more in that. I wish they would have just told us when we're I, I wish they, I, I, if they were going to do it, I wish that they'd done it less ambiguously, but I honestly think they just shouldn't have done it. I, if anything, I kind of actually really appreciate just having the words on the page that shortly after his return, she died during a hunting accident, went off by herself. Because that was a delightful degree of ambiguity for the reader to explore about, oh shit, did he just murder her? And I appreciated that ambiguity. 
now that it's just now, now that they have actually given us an image but made it a different kind of ambiguity that's just frustrating, I think it's done disservice. Hmm. Spencer Spencer would rather you read the book than watch this part of the show. So just go read the book. On that subject, I didn't think the show was necessary. I didn't I didn't think you would ever be sending people to fire and blood. Look at that. That's, that's stunning. That's a book you refused to read for four years. You, I, I, can I reveal something to you now? Have you read it? I, I've read it now that because of the show and because you've been encouraging me. And you know what? It's pretty good. It was better than I thought. Better than I remembered. I knew it would be. Uh, I mean, but to it's your, a rough but, start. But it's a rough start. You're a thousand percent right. The first fifteen pages are you're like, are really this shit? But it does. It does dry. heat up. It, it heats it, up. It heats up. And it, it, what you need to accept it as is it's a history book. It's not a novel. Accept it as being a good textbook. And but, that's the way, the but way good, to look there at it. There are good stories told in it, though. Yes. Um, and he says, as her husband, whatever she was due, now passes to me, right? She stood to inherit all of Runestone. Did she not? I think so, yes. Strong is continuing to take notice of this conversation, just frustrated as all fuck. Gerald Royce seems quite upset. Damon says, after my niece's wedding, I plan to fly, into Ru- fly to Runestone and petition Lady Jane myself. Perhaps I'll see you there, so Gerald. Question for you, Spencer. Any fucking chance he gets Runestone? Uh, I have a certain degree of bias from the text. Uh, so fuck, fuck that. Don't just pretend like you don't like. Don't even read it, right? Because God, no, no. God, he, there's no way the Aarons are picking him to be in he, charge of the Royce family home. No. Here's what I gotta tell Damon. I gotta say, Damon, you need to don't even think about the law. If you want Runestone, you're gonna have to use your damn dragon. Military, to get it. fortify you gotta, that now. <laughs> you're gonna have to take them like you took the stepstones because you ain't getting it any other way. I promise you. Uh, can, can, you imagine, can you imagine the Royce Bannerman voluntarily submitting to Damon being their new lord? Never going to happen. No, he'd have to he'd have to burn half of them in front of them yeah, with the yeah. dragon to do it. Yeah. By the way, at the end of this at the end of the scene, Viserys is looking at Damon. He seems upset, but I feel like Patty Constantine threw in a look like, "Oh, he did do it." Like he did a little contemplative, like, "Oh, yeah, fuck, he fucking killed his <laughs> wife, didn't he?" This jackass. Yeah. He's not making much of an effort to hide it right now. Cut to the dancing and the dancing and the dancing. And we see Lena making eyes at Damon. Ah. Mm, what could see, that be? Yet again, more shit going on. Damon is watching Rhaenyra. Lena gets up and goes to the dance floor. Then we see Lenor make his way over to his paramour off on the side. And Damon hits the dance floor and goes to dance with Lena. He wow. likes him young. He likes him young. He likes him young. Yes, he does. And he says, has anybody and ever blonde. told he says, has anybody ever told you you're nearly as pretty as your brother? Which is <laughs> That's a hilar- line. It's hilarious because they they both know that his brother's gay, so he's sort of making fun of the gay thing. But then – because we know that Damon likes Sir Laner. That's what's hilarious to me is that he he's like kind of shitting on Lanor a little bit here he's, in this conversation. He's a little kid. But he does like him. He says yeah. later to Rhaenyra that he likes him. Everybody likes him apparently. Mm-hmm. Um, she says, you flatter me. I was sorry to hear about your lady wife, Damon. Don't be. I wasn't. <laughs> God. This, oh this man my just God. needs to start printing business cards to just say Damon Targaryen, murderer of wife. Just like oh just start handing them out. Fucking Damon things he's doing. Don't be I wasn't. Unbelievable. He says my lady wife was never very kind to me. <laughs> then we see Sir Joffrey talking to Lenor and he says, I know who it is. Uh oh, uh oh. Sir Kristen Cole. Look at him. The man is fully construct. So funny line, they they giggle about that. But um you know, I, at first I find I started like when I first watched this, I was like, man, there's no way he's picking that motherfucker out in the crowd. But then 
I I go back. I watched it the second time, and they showed Sir Kristen Cole basically for he was fifteen Rhaenyra. straight minutes staring at Renera in a very forlorn looking way. It wasn't like the way that Sir Harold Westerling is staring at her, right? Mm, like no. so, he did sort of give himself away a little bit. I think it's a little bit more believable than I thought on first watching. I'm with you, and I also would think that if there's anybody in the room that would be noticing those signs, Sir Geoffrey Lonmouth probably that dude. He's the one that's looking for them. He's the one that's most on edge on that subject right now. Because he does know that she's got somebody because he got that intel basically from Lenor. So, yeah, he's looking for it. Come back to Lena. She says, a Targaryen prince, a dashing knight, a dragon rider. You appear to be every handmaiden's dream. Damon, young maiden's. Da- young maiden, handmaid, whatever. Yeah. Uh, young maiden's dream. Damon says, that's only because you don't know me yet. Good line. Well, it's true because yeah. he, he isn't everybody's dream. Um he also says yet. Hmm. Hmm. What, what intentions could they have there, sir? Cut back to the uh, Joffrey saying, Sir Kristen has uh, bloodied his white cloak of his ugh, with your bride's maidenhead. It was Dude, a really gross, that... gross joke. And Lenor says, keep your voice down. It was like the one time I felt like the actor playing Lenor actually like got a little like pep in his step mm-hmm. after that line. And he just, shut, God, shut up, shut up. Like, <laughs> we're being too obvious. We'll piss off Spencer. Oh, finally. Lena says, uh, perhaps someday we can repeat that, my prince. So going back to Lena and, and Damon, and she's basically saying, maybe someday I can get to know you a little bit better. And he says, perhaps, and then he leaves her. Yeah. Joffrey continues on that this is a good thing. She knows a secret. Now you know his, hers. Like, mm. it's not a good thing. No. He's an idiot. Absolute moron here. The dancing and music intensify. See, that's, that's the thing. Like, why this is so god darn good is that, like, the the music and the dancing parallel what you're supposed to be feeling with all of the so all this other stuff is created in me anxiety right and it's starting to build right now even like going up a level and then the music goes up a level at the same time like i just thought it was just so fucking great and well done um then we uh where are we at now and he says joffrey goes over to Kristen cole yeah joffrey goes over to Kristen cole oh my gosh uh, I mean, he, Oofed. He, Oofed. He, he, I can he, see why. That's why I didn't. I didn't. I, I was trying to skip this. He goes over and he's you know, He's trying to introduce himself. He introduces himself weirdly too, because he said, "You know, Sir Joffrey Lodbeth, the Knight of Kisses." They call me. I, I don't know why. Does he actually not? It's because no. you've got kissy lips on your shield. Is, or is, he, is he just making a joke right he's now? He's making a joke. Yeah, just yeah. making sure. Yeah. It's like, uh, I don't know why they call me Knight of the Laughing Tree. Here is my fucking <laughs> shield tree, with yes. a laughing tree. Claims he doesn't know why people call him that. He said that. Kristen says he's on watch. Tell me what your business is. And he says, um, uh, uh, I've got uh, a secret. Uh, I've got, got a secret. Finally, he says, have secrets together. If you have something to say, Sir Joffrey, speak it. And he says, Sir Laner is quite dear to me, as I know the princess is to you. Uh, oh, uh, oh, oh, read a room, dude. Please stop talking. Yeah, and he said we should swear to each other to guard them and their secrets because if they are kept safe, then so are we all. And what an enormously stupid thing this is to do. Good question for you, Spencer. Is this guy a little drunk? I think this guy is a little bit drunk right he now. He might be a little I, drunk. I, I don't think he's saying the things that he, in the cold light of day, he would know that he should be saying right now. He's also saying things to a guy that is, in terms of emotional instability, is it kind of an 11 right now? That is, you know, you are putting water on a live wire and seeing if it sparks. And look at that. It does. 
so we saw Rhaenyra making eyes at Damon when Damon walked in. At one point, they actually look at each other and grin when they're sitting at the table. It's a very brief moment. If you didn't catch it, then that's nothing that you should feel bad about. That's why I'm doing the podcast to point it yeah, out to you. For you. They they do. There is a very brief moment where they they lock eyes and they grin, but that is not the only bit of flirting that my girl Rhaenyra does in this scene. Because why, Spencer? She's dancing with breakbones. And they're having a good old time. They are smiling at each other. He's twirling her about. They're having fun. The two of them together. They're absolutely having a good time. She seems hey. to enjoy. She seemed more purely happy with break bones than any other point in this entire hey. scene. Hey, we have evidence that Rhaenyra likes the himbos. And break bones, the himbo of all himbos in Westeros. Eh, I don't know about that. Oh, I kind of like the guy. Um, I, 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 I don't Joffrey. mean that as a criticism. I don't mean that as a criticism. He's an awesome character. Well, if he you call somebody a himbo, it's a, it's a little bit of a criticism. It's a little bit, yes. He's a, he's okay. I don't think he's stupid. I, I guess we can get into it in later episodes. But, uh, it, it, then we it, see it, more point of comparison I, to his brother, maybe. Yeah, and I actually don't know. I mean, honestly, I can't speak on it because I don't. They, we haven't given enough. They haven't given us, us enough of him, and I don't know how they're going to portray him because they. You're right. They could go the like sort of. He's just sort of the. They, they could big be going, or but he doesn't have to be. They could be going with him the way they're going with Cole, and I don't like how they're going with Cole, and I hope I don't they don't either. go that route with Breakbones. I don't either. I don't like. I don't like what they're doing with Cole. He seems really stupid. Then we see Lana and Joffrey pass each other, and they sort of hug. I think that's a moment where you would say it was your like stupid. Come that on, they, it, guys. Yeah, I agree. But it, yeah, I think worse. Yeah, because the sea snake caught it. Because yeah, it cuts back to, to Corliss, exactly. and Corliss is looking like, at them like, what the fuck is going on here? Just for one day. One day. I'm only asking reme- for one day. And, and guys, remember, there's heavy drinking here. So, like, these two have been drinking. So, yeah, yes. they're, they're getting a little sloppy here. This it, happens in these types of situations. At what point, if you're the sea snake, do you basically send your own guards to say, take him back to his I think throne. it was getting – honestly, I think it was getting close. Yes. I do think – I think Corliss was about to stop this shit. Wouldn't it have been better if it had? Damon walks up to Rhaenyra. May I, Sir Harwin? Uh, no problem. No problem. And so here's the thing about Harwin. He knows that her and Damon have a very he, weird he relationship. Saw it. He saw it, right? So he, but he doesn't care. He lets him go at it. Damon then starts talking in Valerian uh, to Rhaenyra. The king is watching very, very closely. He asks her, "Is this what you want?" She says, "I was not aware that what I wanted mattered to you." Now, Spencer, oh. question oh. is: is that a is that a reference to him walking away from their sexual encounter? Yes, yes, it is. Yes, I think that very pointedly is basically. I wanted it. You couldn't keep it up. So what you've come Wait up, what a you're second. Right now? I don't know. Everybody, I know. I everybody know. has picked up on this and started calling it a erectile the dysfunction. Sh- the show writers delighted in teasing with that. They've done it twice with respect to the character. Three times now that we had, you know, uh, uh, Lady Royce m- mentioned it too. Yeah, but she, he, I don't even think they even had it. I, I I'm not. I'm not sure that that's what happened because I. And the reason I, I make a point of it is because I, I, thought, I, thought I it like. Good. I like to think that his better range, because there is, I agree. He's not a hundred percent evil. And I think that hopefully in that moment, he was trying to appeal to his better angels. I hope so. Anyway. I very much agree. And that's my preferred interpretation. The show has left it purposefully. And I think wisely open to interpretation. Damon says, this is not for you. So Lanner is a good man and a fine knight. He will bore you senseless. Renera, marriage is only a political arrangement. I hear she is really spit, spit fire. He says, Mine was recently dissolved. And then, this is, I'm, I love this woman. She says, okay, all right, let's call you fucking bluff. So take me then. 
Has it, hadn't this been your purpose? I'm not married yet, but the hours are passing. How about this? You're armed. Cut through my father's king's guard. Don't think you could do that. Mm. And then he'd say, take me to Dragonstone and make me your wife. Shades of Jaehaerys in that plan, right? That's what Jaehaerys did with his young, his sister, uh, that everybody didn't want. Nobody wanted Jaehaerys to marry his sister. Good queen the, 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 the faith were still fighting him about this. He, they hadn't established Targaryen exceptionalism as law yet. And Jaehaerys literally took his daughter to fucking Dragonstone. Sister. And, er, his sister. Uh, his sister to Dragonstone and got married. So it's like she was kind of calling out something that had happened in the family before. What, what I love, too, is that while they're having this conversation, Viserys is up there on the dais suddenly noticing them. And you could just see the wheels going, oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. He is. And he's... He's also struggling with a quail. Yeah, as um, one does. He's well, but I think I think we're yes, like because he's missing fingers and his hands are sore and he's having to wear gloves. Like he he's struggling to even feed himself. Spencer, it, we're we're reaching you know King Charles the Second of Spain level of you know disability right now affecting the king. Then we hear a scuffle in the back. We can't really see what's good. Yeah, it's, that, that is a good parallel. Uh, then we hear a scuffle in the, the back. We, we can't really see what's going on. And the guards come in. Lenor runs toward whatever is happening. Renera gets pushed and knocked aside. This is what made me think there was a lot of drinking going on. Because even if there's a fight that breaks out, right? Even if a fight breaks out in a bar, you don't just knock the queen yeah. or the, the princess aside. Like, I think these people were hammered. This is where it started getting too far for me, just because this is an addition. This isn't in the books. We'll talk about this more in the after the episode. Well, we don't have to because we, we, we can we can establish the point that in the books, the that Sir Kristen Cole kills Lainor at a, at one of the tourneys related he to the wedding. Mortally wounds him. The point a pointed difference that I would just make in that regard. Um, well, no, I mean he 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 does he kills him. I mean he just dies later. But the fact that he doesn't kill him in the tourney, in fact, he kill the, the critically injures him in a tourney is very different to bashing his skull in on the floor of a wedding. Yes. Bashing somebody's skull in on the floor of a wedding has repercussions, particularly when it is the a knight serving the king consort. He also punches the king consort, too, which is a fun thing that Chris Cole does there as well. He does. And Rhaenyra gets pushed and attacked by people. It's like, everybody in this room is going to be prosecuted in any realistic world afterwards, and I know they're just instead going to do a time jump, and we're never going to talk about it. And that frustrates the shit out of me. They went this route as compared to something that came across. Even the fact he hurt somebody in a tournament was controversial. Beating somebody's head in on the floor of the wedding and punching the king consort and it's a knight serving the king consort. The guy's dead. There's no way he no, isn't dead. No, no, no. That's not, that, that is, that is not true that he's just dead. Like, cause first off, he's the police. He like, walks out without way to, even being arrested by the other police. Yeah, exactly. Because that's what happens to police who act up. Westerling would no. Westerling no, would arrest this. Westerling. We didn't even see that Westerling was still there. We, Which we is don't also know, a problem. We don't know. Like we like. First off, not every one of the seven Kingsguard is going to be there. So we he could have been one of the only Kingsguard there. And if so, he, he is a, like he's like if the, if so. Let's really finish. He is one of the top police that is in that situation. Like you got to remember. As being part of the Kingsguard, he is the elite of the elite. So the other guards are not going to just take him into custody without somebody giving them the authority to do so. First, and then there was massive confusion. People didn't know what this guy had done to Sir Kristen Cole to start this. Like, 
I completely agree with you that there would be fallout, there would be questions, but the idea that he would be just be snatched and murdered and killed right away, that is not true. I, I, I'm not saying that he would be snatched and murdered right away. I'm saying that he would be arrested by the Command of King's Guard of, of their own authority for selling the reputation for having this occur right here, right then, without orders of their king to even allow it to happen. Also, we pointedly saw Harold Westerling doing the announcements for people when they walked in. We know right. he was in the room at, one, at least at one point. At one point, exactly. But we don't know that he stayed, and we don't know how many King's Guard are left there. The, as a matter of fact, the only guards that we see look like almost like Lannister house guards, which I, I who also bust just, in. I, so I, they're they're obviously lesser on they're lower on the totem pole than Kristen Cole is. So mm-hmm. I, I don't think they would think they have the authority to take him. And if Cole just immediately walked out, I could see him getting out of there without being arrested. Now. Would he be arrested later? Of course, of Absolutely. course, of course, of course. But I also disagree with the fans who say that Allison doesn't have the pool to save him. I think that the queen could say this, and I, I spoiled this on the reaction podcast. I don't care because I know they're going to tell you two seconds into the next episode that Sir Kristen Cole becomes the sworn sword of Allison. Like, she, they're going to yada I, yada. I think, twenty five. I down. think he absolutely, yeah. she absolutely has the authority to say. King Viserys, who, by the way, is, doesn't look super decisive right now. Yeah. I'm going to take this guy. Now, is it – of course of course, we would say Viserys should say, no, that's not right. We have to try and we have to do this, blah, 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 blah. But we just saw Viserys struggle to even fucking lift his head up during this whole thing. So I could see Allison walking all over him and getting this done. That is my – my point on it. Do you, do you accept that this is proving probably the most controversial moment for the fandom, though, when it comes to the, this particular change and this particular edition, or at least how they went about depicting the series of events? No, I, I, I haven't heard a huge outcry from the fans about I, this. I, perhaps it's the circles I run in, but th- this is the most controversial moment of the episode that I've seen, of where... There's been a, there there have been a, at least a certain percentage of the fans. Oh, 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 of the episode. I thought you meant of the series. No, no, the episode. The episode. Yeah, of this of the episode. Yes, you're right. Okay, all right. Fine. Uh, one thing I do love. There's a straight up brawl that occurs. Things are going nuts. It's removed enough from the dais. The king doesn't know what's going on. The king is indecisive because he's barely able to stand, and the quail is still there. And he's and looks also, tasty. and he's also his nose is bleeding. It looks like yes. he might be having like a fucking um, stroke or something. So. Lord Strong is looking to the king for like you know instructions, the guidance. The king is incapable of doing so. Best so finally, best finally, Lord Strong just looks at his son, who nods. is looking at him, and nods. And it's like he just pulled him off the, cut the leash loose. It's like he just threw out a pokeball when he just summoned his top level Pokemon. And Harwood Strong is on the situation, and, and he goes just, and fights his way through the crowd. He is tossing people, snatches Renera up, puts him, puts her over his shoulder. By the way, she's, she's screaming, "Put me down! Put me down!" The whole like, yeah. you know, like Renera, is that really a good idea for me to put you down? Uh, hilarious, just yeah. a wonderful moment. I adore it. He, in his charge, he literally throws people. He's tossing people up in the air out of his way as he's going. Reaches yep. her, my princess. Throws her over his shoulder like a sack of potatoes and gets her the hell out of dodge. So I, so I love. There's there's two moments between characters that made my heart like melt. That that one, yeah, where he he fights through, grabs her, and that she, in typical Renera form, is like screaming at you, yeah. "Put me down, put me down!" And he's like, "You got I'm not, punched in the face and we're hiding like, under not, a table." I'm not putting you down, but it's just it's 
perfect for those characters. I loved, yes. loved that. But then everything gets quiet and we see that Cole has killed the guy pretty brutally, bashed his head in, like you said. People start to clear out. Lenor has a broken nose. I think that's an important point you From make. From Cole. That Cole broke his nose. The prince consort's nose. Yes. In public. Yes. And he, but then what happens next, I think, completely changes everything. Because he crawls over and bellows and screams and cries. And this is kind of like, this is a big change from the book, but his over the, not, it's not over the top. But it, if, real with fear. the narrative, with the narrative that House Valerian wants you to think it would be over the top, right? Yes. Reaction to this does happen in the books. And like people take note of it, that yeah. he's like freaking out about this guy dying. I think this is how I interpreted this. I was I, I, I couldn't wait to get you on the podcast to ask you what you thought. I thought the fact that he lost his shit crying in front of everybody about this guy is why they went ahead and did the wedding right away. It wasn't the fact that there was violence at this thing or that someone died. It's that the whispers and the questions about his sexuality was going to be so loud during the tourney that they had to just go ahead and lock this up. That's how, that's how I took it. I think that is very possible. Um, clearly, they're rushing the wedding as a result of the events that occurred there. I think that is at least one of them. I mean, it also could just be that violence on a wedding and someone getting murdered there is viewed as horrible bad luck. Hell, if anything, and this is a detail that's also being left out, it's a violation of guest right. The Targaryens invited these people into their home. And one of their guards just killed them on the floor in front of everybody. I'm not sure the Targaryens give too much sin. of a fuck. Do they give too much of a fuck about guess right, the Targaryens? Their people do. And that's another. That's an issue they're trying to put the kibosh on now. Is They want to banish the previous night from everybody's memory in a lot of ways and get on straight to the wedding. It was supposed to be seven days down the line, right? The attorneys and everything else beforehand? Yeah, I mean, because a lot of people are asking, and I think it's a fair question, like, why wouldn't they just say, okay, well, that was really unfortunate, but we got, like, tournaments tomorrow. Like, they just get them married the, right away. Way, and I, I think way it, to do things. I think it's because, like, it, like there was already massive whispers and conversations about Laner's sexuality, and then like he has this reaction to this guy dying. It's like if I'm House Valerian, I can see how the sea snake goes. No, we just have to. He he has to get married right now. Can I can I tell you who would have been a far better king for this situation to resolve to resolve that entire brawl before anything happened? Magor. <laughs> now, I was going to go straight up King Bobby Beaks. That man would have stood and just yelled out, Stop this madness in the name of your king! Everyone would have stopped. I made that same point to my mom. I was like, because I was talking about how ineffective Viserys was and how they want you to see that. That wasn't a mistake. They want you to see that the king should have been acting. His hand was looking at him to act. Everyone was hoping he would act, and he just sat there bleeding, incapacitated, hurt. Fucking Bur Robert would have at minimum yelled. At most would have went out there and kicked Sir Kristen Cole's ass right in the middle of the fucking like personally, he, yeah, because he can fight like yeah, absolutely. There, there's a lot of other kings that would have done much better. Viserys really, I think, this is not the type of situation where he would do well in naturally, but then also he's physically incapacitated. Absolutely. So then we cut to they're getting married, um, and blood this, is still on the floor, racked, yeah, eat, lapping it up. Yeah, you said that was a real problem for you. The fact there was still blood on the floor. That was one of the things where I understand that they're rushing this, and I can get while they're rushing it. It's a change from the books, sure, whatever. But I, I can justify why they want the wedding to happen as soon as possible. I can't justify why they didn't have a serpent clean the floor that night, other than for the sake of just having, admittedly effective, stark visual. 
but again, it's fitting into just a, a undercurrent throughout this episode of where they're going, they're going cinematically over the top so unnecessarily for the sake of just having a stark visual or whatever else that I, I almost want to roll my eyes at it just because it's like. Oh come on! Nobody, nobody wouldn't just send somebody with with a sponge to clean the blood first. Yeah, I mean, I, I I'm stunned that that would be a, something that would take you out of such a well done episode. Like, it's, like you you kind of poo poo like something. One thing that you do that kind of like frustrates me is you're like, yeah, I know they're just trying. You 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 like yada yada. The fact they're trying to entertain you. Like, yeah, how dare yeah, they? I don't like, want to be entertained. That's the point is like that. Yeah, they're doing some things to be cinematic and to be dramatic and to like get you like locked in on the episode. I could give a fuck about the blood on the floor. But I mean, it, you know, you you have a right to your opinion. I mean, it's an interesting point. But I I saw the blood, didn't give a fuck, didn't matter to me. Like it was like, bleh, like I, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, But we did get the second part. The second interaction between characters that made my heart melt. We and got that a is very when effective scene. When they are getting married, Renera is almost crying for Lenore. Who is crying. She, the the actress just gives you such empathy. Like, mm-hmm. we we love to talk about the fact that Renera doesn't give a fuck, right? This she generally does it. moment. It really is. She really fucking cares that he's hurting right now. Like, I thought that was really great, and it sets up the fact that they, they're they not going to be romantic, but they could potentially have an effective partnership going forward. I agree. And, you know, other effective partnerships that are being marketed here at the end of this episode? So Kristen Cole, who Gr- is w- in the Godswood. He went in front of the Weirwood tree to kill himself. That's right. That is interesting. Yeah. I'm not... I think he's... I honestly think he... Like, you know what he is? He's the guy, he's foxhole praying. I don't think he fucking knows what he's doing. He's just like, uh, he's desperate. Whoever's listening right now. Whoever's listening. Yeah. And what's cool is that the three eyed crow gets to watch this whole thing go down. Yeah. He's, just, he's just checking this all out. The children of the forest have a great show on TV right now. Yeah. So he's about to kamikaze himself. He's about to do it, do it to it. And we hear, so Kristen straight up seppuku right now in the floor. And, uh, and Allison stops him. And the music during all this sounds a little bit like Light of the Seven. Little it bit. It did. It did. And the, then we get the end of the wedding scene and Viserys drops down and then you see the blood and that, that's the most, um, Unforgivable. Unre- unrealistic thing that Spitzer's ever uh, seen on television. Un- unforgivable five out of, <laughs> it, it's literally, literally when Fonzie jumps on the shark. Yes. That is straight up that, you know, utterly unforgivable. I can't even believe it. Eight, eight out of ten episode. That's the world we're operating in right now. Where that's kind of where I was last episode. It's like I obviously disliked it more than you, and I played up how much I disliked it for the episode because I think that's entertaining. But like ultimately, it was a good episode of television. Yeah, basically, I'm fighting here around the margins of where there were several scenes that I thought were over the top. They were coarse. There were directorial directorial writing changes that I thought were unnecessary and just made things that much more unrealistic. It still was a very effective episode and had at least one or two of my favorite scenes of the entire show so far. Barna. That wedding scene is what I want out of my television. Um, and it's something that like my favorite shows give me a lot of. Like The West Wing gave me a lot of episodes like that and scenes like that where there was just like a tons of sh- like they're just walking around the fucking offices and like 50 different dynamics are going on. And like I just love that. 
This is your like you know eight minute walk and talk through the entirety of the West yeah. Wing moment right here. I, I I found it to be so fucking engaging and entertaining, what? and uh, I loved it. I this is my favorite episode that they have done of the show. Well, to just further highlight that, shall we go through some of the best quotes and lines of the episode? Fire away, sir! All right, I've got. Here's the interesting thing. It was a well-done episode, but so much of it was just things that were being shown rather than things that were being said. So I really only have four of the best lines of this episode, but I don't think it's a fault to the writing. Um, But line number one, I can do it in its entirety, but it's one you already kind of did. It's Otto talking with Allison. Their entire exchange is probably top three moments of the entire show for me so far. I utterly adored it. I'll, I'll do it. Listen to me, daughter. The king will die. It may be months or years, but he'll not live to be an old man. If Rhaenyra succeeds him, war will follow. Do you understand? The realm will not accept her. And secure her claim, she'll have, she'll have to put your children to the sword. She'll have no choice. You know it. You're no fool, and yet you choose not to see it. The time is coming, Alicent. Either prepare Aegon to rule, or you cleave to Rhaenyra and pray for her mercy. Oof. Oh, oh it's, a great, it's a great line. Um, line from uh, Clubfoot. Oh, what good news. I must have been in error. Oh, what a relief. See, I thought from Melos himself, well, her condition must be something very serious. Ah, what a happiness it is to have been wrong. It's an overall great scene between the two, but it's a wonderful ending line to it as well. Uh, let's see, a line between the king and his hand. Is it not better to live in peace than to have songs sung after you are dead? That's the hand, uh, uh, Lord, Lord Strong. Uh, Varys, perhaps. But there's part of me that wishes I'd been tested. I often think that in the crucible I may have been forged a different man than ending from the hand. Many that are tested only wish to have been spared it. It's a great exchange between the two. As you said, it's a, it's a nice drunk talk. And I like that Viserys can feel that comfortable around other people to have that kind of drunk talk. He does really like Lionel Strong. He does. Is for, it for good reason. Good damn reason. Completely that, agree. Best guy on the show so far, just in terms of doing his job. Yep. Uh, and then here's a line from Hope, Hope from Hobart here. I worried that given leave of your father's shadow, you might wither in King's Landing's sun, but you stood tall and know that Old Town stands with you. Uh, those are actually the four I have. There were some other ones around the margins, but those were definitely my favorite four of the episode. Those are very good. As normal, I will pick one that is not one you nominated. Yeah, bastard. Um, best line of the episode. I gotta say, my favorite episode of this show so far. But the the not because of the dialogue. The, there wasn't super strong. It was because of the the, the drama and the the placing and pacing of the scene at the end. That's why it's my favorite. But the favorite best line of the episode, House of the Dragon, episode five. We like the way is from our guy Larry Strong, the beacon on the high tower. Do you know what color it grows when Old Town calls its? You know what color it glows when Old Town calls its banners to war? Green. There it is. Between the Strong Brothers. Between the Strong Brothers. And and even more than the line, it's part of one of the most effective scenes they've done yet. Her emerging on the scene in that green dress and everyone's reactions to it and her head held high, interrupting the room to walk to the dais as if she commands this place better than anyone else here. Wonderfully done filmmaking, wonderfully done scene, acted beautifully by an actress who I sincerely hope we'll get more flashbacks of in the future. Absolutely. In that vein, I want to talk about the fact that when Alicent walks into the room. Yes. Music, her her music play. She establishes that she is a player 
excuse the trite saying in the Game of Thrones, right? Mm-hmm. She is a player now on her own. And that is what is so important to this story. It's like not, she's not just a vehicle for Otto to try to establish power to pump out babies so that they can push in it. Like she is a political force on her own. That is important because we know Renera is. We know that <clears throat> at least for now, King Viserys is. And we know that Corliss Valerian is. So what I'm saying, Spencer, is we got fucking sides to root for here. This is what we've been talking about all along, like buying the different house shirts, putting the banners up, rooting for certain sides over certain sides. Spencer, I'm not even asking the question. Game of Thrones is back because... There is a Game of Thrones? There's a Game of Thrones. Yes. Like, quite literally, the Game of Thrones is back. Yes, I, I absolutely I can't dispute that. People are already on Twitter and elsewhere taking sides when it comes to this. And Team not Black just forever. And, I mean, they haven't consul- they haven't consolidated into two sides yet. There's at least like four or five that are going at each other in terms of the various bits of social. Still media. a lot of still a lot of Rainies and and Corliss man, out there. Man, does Damon have a lot of followers too? It is interesting. <laughs> Yeah, that's interesting. Team Black Forever, that's where I stand. Everybody knows it. But yeah, the, the Game of Thrones is back. And that is the, like, the, like, I loved the, the battle scenes. I thought that they ended up making the others and that whole thing interesting. But ultimately, this show caught on and it has a massive, massive audience because of the political intrigue and drama yeah. and the, and the challenging for the rule. And that is what we're getting in spades in the next five episodes. Damn straight, sir. I so fucking hyped. There's no, no argument to be made. I agree fully. The, that is prime Game of Thrones is that kind of wheeling and dealing and characters trying to pursue their interests in the conflicts that result. The spectacle is delightful, but that's the true heartblood of Game of Thrones. And the show seems to very much recognize that. Okay, so Spencer, I'm gonna, I feel like, I, I feel like I was bullying you this episode because I feel like, I felt like I was, I so, I so like this episode that I was ready to go to war. I was ready to defend it. I want to give you a chance to talk to the non-spoiler listeners about your stance on the episode, what you thought about it to wrap everything up. I give you the floor to end the podcast for the non-spoiler piece. I feel like this in some way mirrors my complaints maybe about episode three. Was it episode three that we got the full-on war in the step stones? Yeah. Of where I think it's an episode that was very effective, uh, almost when it wasn't trying to be. When it was just allowing characters to talk, when it was allowing characters to interact, when it wasn't as much associated with the other checkboxes of Game of Thrones, particularly with respect to the violence and the spectacle. And I think when it started to go more into those grounds, it came across as being more artificial, more forced, and much less natural about how it presented itself, and I thought that brought it down. So much of the episode was other than that, though. So much of those were just little capstones on scenes that unfortunately gave me a bit of a bad taste in my mouth with respect to the scenes themselves that were otherwise quite good. So do I feel like those bring the episode down? Yes. Do I think that reflects some missteps when it comes to both the writing and the directing? Yes. Do I think some of this episode displayed some of the worst acting they've had on the show? Yes. Do any of those necessarily matter a bit going forward? To a degree, and we'll talk more about Cole here in a second, in a way that I feel like if they don't at least give me something of what I often refer to you as the sentence, I'm going to be real pissed just to do how much of an 11 they went with respect to this. It's like you went so much farther to what people already in the books complained about, like in story complained about. God, how are you going to make this work? They still could, but I'm inclined to think that they're just going to use the 15-year jump to just brush it under a rug 
and that's going to piss me off even more. But all of this comes down to, I think this was one of my least favorite episodes of the show, but it's still like an seven and a half, eight out of ten. So that's what we're coming to bear with respect to this. Okay. All right. I'll let that be the end. Thanks, everybody. For the non-spoiler listeners, thanks, everybody, for listening. For those that either know where the book is going or don't care to be spoiled, don't care if you're spoiled, please hang on because we got a few minutes. We're going to talk spoilers. But that is it for the non-spoiler episode. Thanks, everybody. We will be back. We will be back with you on Sunday night for Reaction Podcast Episode 6. Spencer. Cole. Fucking Cole. What Cole are they doing the, with Cole? Uh, they, they, I, I don't know. They, I mean, like, he become, like he crowns Aegon. He becomes Hand of the King. He becomes, like, the primary player for the Greens. He's not a dumb man. Like, I don't understand why they're making him so stupid. I mean, unless... Is he going to hit the books in the next 10 years? I mean, unless he has some major character growth over the, over the course of the time skip, they are setting him up to be nothing other than Allison's attack dog. That he is going to be absolutely unconditionally loyal to her. I, I hate that. And she is going to be the one that's controlling everything, and he is going to have no independent agency whatsoever. That seems to be what they're setting up, right? Because that's all, that's what we, that what they seem to be going in the direction of with respect to it, which it, it's a way of depicting their relationship. It's a way of, you know, setting out how the two of them are going to work. I don't like it as much as the feeling that I, I got about how things worked of where they were more allies rather than he was entirely just her agent of her will. But do you agree that it seems like they're leaning into that kind of direction? Yeah. Absolutely. I think that they are trying to centralize the decision-making, the, the authority, and everything of the Greens onto Allison. And they're going to make her bigger than life. Whereas in the book, she was just like sort of a part of the Greens. She wasn't what? the only She wasn't the only one driving Aegon. By far, she wasn't. And I thought, I thought that was a pointed difference between the Greens and the Blacks, of where the Blacks were much more centralized. It was much more Rhaenyra, Damon. Even Damon was secondary once Rhaenyra was wielding her 100%. influence. 100%. Yes, absolutely. It, it, the sea Snake was like trying to wield his influence, and Rhaenyra did not allow that to happen for very long. Whereas Stuck the Greens his ass came in a across, dungeon. Fuck him. Oh, yeah. Whereas the Greens came across as much more of a coalition. The Greens were a uniting of people. They're almost working on a council in terms of how they direct policy. Wasn't it Sir Kristen who came to Aegon who was, like, in bed with a whore or something? It was like, hey, totally. get, the, get the fuck up. we got to put a crown on you. Your sister's going to kill you if you don't. It, and he, he, he seems like he did so because he thought it was necessary kind of thing. Of where it was like, okay, I just killed Lord Beesbury. Totally, they better do that, by yeah, the way. Yeah, he's going to kill Lord Beesbury for sure. I, I, he, this this Cole will still do that. This Cole will still do that. Rhaenyra will tell, uh, Alicent will tell him to do so, but he'll still do that. And like, uh, Aegon, Aegon was like, nah, I don't want to. And it, Cole, Cole was like, yeah, you're gonna. No, it's like, Cole pretty much just said, if you don't, Rhaenyra will kill all of you, and I may do it first. Get out of bed, you little shit. Yeah, basically. I, I don't know. I, it's instead, it's instead gonna be Alicent. They're gonna make it Alicent instead that does it. And it's like, I understand why they want to make a single face on the movement, but it's going to be the effect that we've seen before with respect to Game of Thrones in its later seasons of where to make one character look really, really big, you're going to you're going to diminish everybody else around them. And I'm worried about that. Well, yeah, I mean, but, you know, they're, do, they're doing such a good job with Allison that it's kind of I hard know. to be too critical because they are shifting. A, what I think they're doing is they're shifting the decision making and all of the centralized authority to Allison for the Greens. But they're doing a great job with their character, right? So if they if they were if they were fumbling that, I'd be even I'd be really well, upset. I don't know Allison's new actress. 
I don't know. I just don't know her offhand, and I haven't seen as much from her when it comes to like the original trailers for the show. Watch the fucking shit that they put out for the next episode. Bad, 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 bad. You, you dope. You, you, you like everybody else has seen it. Watch it. It. She's good. She's very okay. good. But I'll tell you, she plays it harsher. She plays an angry Allison, at least from what we've seen. Well, and mean? the, the Renera Emma Darcy plays Renera sitting like I did in fucking middle school. Yeah. Just <laughs> lay the fuck back. Hey, fuck all. Confident like, who she, she is. I think I described it as like. Like Tupac in Westeros, just like what? chilling at the table. I I absolutely adore the way that Emma Darcy's playing Renera. Uh, absolutely uh, adore, do, it. adore do, it. Do you go on TV tropes, by the way? No. Uh, if you would, could you just uh, Google while I'm talking to you what's called TV tropes slouch of villainy? Oh, okay, is that what she's doing? I, I just want to say, tell me to what degree you, this is the posture you think Renera uh, is bringing to bear. I don't see any pictures, but yeah, I mean, I, I get the idea. Um, I'll, I'll send it to you later. It's, for, it, for sure. I absolutely get the idea. It, it, and they're, they it, are trying to make... classic like, dictator on the throne. Jo- Joffrey. Joffrey did that. Yes. He, he sat back like that on but, the throne. So let, let's unpack some of the aspects of what we're talking about. Wait a second. Back. Before we do that, uh, I got a name for it. What do you got for it? Uh, for Renera and Harwin Strong, who my, t- my favorite couple. What's your ship name for these two? Renarwin. Workshop it. Keep come, no, no, come, that's come really good. Renera, Renera, Harwin, Renarwin. Amazing. Thank, shout out to you, you for that. Renarwin. You're, you're going to have to sell me on this. I'm not, I'm not. I'm not here. I'm not. I'm not feeling it right now. I know what you're going for, but you're going to need to sell it on me. The show is going to need to sell it on me too. No, Renarwin is the is the new couple. Uh, I, I'm just I just melt every time because he. In this story, I think Damon truly does love Renera, but he is such a fucked up weird cat that like, he, he, I, it, it's, it's almost like he doesn't because it doesn't always display his love. Harwin Strong loves Renera. Harwin Strong is like, to... just, he just loves her. Like, it's just, it's very simple. I just love that lady. Yeah. I love that. It's, it's the best. I'm always going to root for those two. He also seems to be more loyal to her than a lot of her paramours too. A lot of her paramours, yeah. even to the degree they love her, are just, you know, yeah, mostly talking about Damon. Well, that's kind of that's kind of what I mean. Is yeah. that like it, it, like he is more his decision making is a lot more streamlined behind like I love her. I'm just going to try to help her, and that's yeah. all he does. I, um, I Renarwin, Renarwin. Oh, go okay. ahead. Well, the, the the elephant in the room really really here is Kristen Cole. Um, but the sh- biggest difference. What it, uh, this is a major difference. Let's agree on this. This is a big difference from the text of how Kristen Cole kills the Knight of Kisses. And it says a lot different about the character and where they're going with the character because of that. Of where, let's, correct me if I'm wrong. I read it not that long ago, but let's, let's go through it. Uh, at, while, and during the celebrations for the wedding, they do yes. the many days of, of tournaments and whatever else. Yeah. And in the tournament, this is the separation between the two already, have, already having happened. Uh, Christian Cole beats the shit out of break bones to the point he even calls him like broken bones or something like no, that. Uh, yeah. He, I mean, I beats the shit out of strong, but he does beat him in a melee and he does break some of his bones. And so mushroom calls him broken bones from the night. Yes. yes. Uh, so that's the thing that happens pointedly because Rene, uh, has already been flirting with break, with break bones. That is what, yes, that that's the implication, but it, it's interesting to know like sort of the, the levels of power. We talked about this on the star Wars podcast, right? Like who's stronger than who? And like, 
I love Harwin Strong, but like it's pretty clear Chris Nicole can kick his ass. Harwin Strong is very strong. He's probably the most physically built knight in Westeros. We don't necessarily hear as much about him being like top five most skilled. He's well, good. It, it's he, hard, he's a, he's but mastered it's, arms. But it's kind of hard. I mean, I think he is skilled. It's just hard because like I think that the best fighter we have in the fucking story is Chris Nicole, right? Because he, he beats Damon. He beats Harwin Strong. Like he, I, I think, I think he's pretty much undefeated. Like he's, he's about the best thing. <laughs> well, uh, some, some, pl- some plucky guys from the Riverlands are going to have something to say about yeah, that. Yeah. He eventually, lo- but yeah, he eventually loses in the same way that like a, you know, a lion can lose to hyenas, right? Like, you know, you eventually lose oh, enough or, people or a longbow. That also works too. Um, or some very pissed off Blackwoods. Enough uh, people. Um, but the other thing he does is that in the course of, I believe it, I think it's also in the melee, uh, he comes against the Knight of Kisses, and he basically smacks his helm in so hard yeah. that it crushes it into his skull partially, and the guy is mortally wounded and dies a week later. And everybody goes, well, that was very poor form. Oh, that was really too much. It seems like punching down. It seemed like punching down. It, it, everybody kind of looked at it and said, you totally meant to do that, and that's not okay. And so there was an uproar on the subject. People were talking about punishing him. People were talking about stripping him of his cloak. They were talking about the big serious ramifications for this. But Allison steps in and instead says, nope, he is my sworn knight. Fight me. And Viserys... Allison liked it. Al- she kind of yeah. liked that he did it. Because yeah. she, she's kind of like... She's sort of more vengeful and mean in the books. And she kind of liked it. She liked that he had that gear. And yeah, I mean, it, she does exactly what I think she's going to do in the show, which is she basically said, he's my guy now. Fight me for him. And, you know, the only person in Westeros at that point, because he hasn't built Renera up as his heir, the only person in Westeros that could really challenge her on that would be Viserys. And we know he's not going to do that. No. That's why it's realistic to me that he gets out of it because of how weak Viserys is. I get that. He shouldn't. I get that he shouldn't, but I think that it makes sense in this world that he would because Viserys is just going to go, well, whatever. But here's the thing. I fully accept that that's where they're going to expect it. And I bought it in the books just because Kristen Cole was smart about when he did it. He did it in a way that at least had an element of cover, at least had plausible deniability as to what happened. And by the way, he did it. Because he knew it would hurt Lenor, and he knew that would hurt Rhaenyra. Yes. That's why he did it. Pointed, strategic. It wasn't an he act. He wanted to just, hurt you know, her. It wasn't an act of just emotion coming to a boil or being concerned for himself, whatever else. He was being vengeful on her. Yes. Um, so the fact that they had those motivations and the fact that the court during a tournament allowed him to have a certain enough element of cover that it makes sense that Allison could just say, no, he's my guy. I don't believe it happened. What can you prove that's not, not the case? And nobody can. And so they're able to dismiss it. They can't do that with this. Nope. This You're is right. so much You're higher right. than that. This is so much more extreme than that. They don't... But I still think I still think that Allison is in a position where she can save him if she wants to, unless Viserys has something to say about it. Who else is going to stop her? Potentially Rhaenyra, potentially Lanor, but they're not probably going to because they would get into their own shit with respect to it. It's just more that it's... This is so egregious what he did on the show. It's bad on Allison in a way that even what she did in the books looked bad on her, but everybody was willing to eventually just turn the other cheek. This is so much farther than that that I struggle with it. And they did it for the sake of, A, so it could occur in one episode, which makes sense. It'd be hard to do all the tourneys in one episode just from a length of time perspective. Kind of like how they had Damon and Rhaenyra's entire courtship being about fucking 20 minutes. 
That had a much more natural flow than this did, but yeah, sure, sure. Okay. fine. Yeah, Same right. category from your perspective. <laughs> and point number two, they wanted, I think they're almost required to, to have some gratuitous violence. To have an emotional act of gratuitous Like violence. gratuitous sex that they have to do. Yes, it is in the same checkbox in some ways. Yeah. And okay. you didn't like it last episode, but you're okay with the violence. How proper Americana. I don't, I, I honestly would be, I, I honestly think the thing with the face where they showed the, like, the flipping, like, the, flaps of skin. Just don't do that. Just don't do it. I don't want to see, like, I, I don't have any, dis- that doesn't add entertainment to me. It's gross. It doesn't make the show better. It doesn't make it more, quote, realistic to me. Mm-hmm. Don't ever do that again. That is just gross. I yeah. don't want to see it. I just don't want to see it on my screen. That's yeah, my opinion some- on that. I think in some ways it would have been more effective to not even display his head, but just focus on the horror of the characters with respect to him. Because just Lainor bawling over it is you just see the pool of blood and just, you know, the broken bits on the gauntlet. That would have been that would have been totally fine, and we, we would have gotten the same everything from it. We didn't yeah. need the floppy face. That was too much. So I mean, this is a change from the books that I don't like. I think it undermines Alice. I think it makes it harder to justify or make, you know, accept realistic what Allison's inevitably going to do and everyone just being okay with it just because it goes so much farther. And the fact that it's done purely on emotion with no control, with no planning, rather than reflecting a strategic mind, gives me really negative vibes on where they're eventually going to go with Cole in a way that is going to diminish him as a character and just make him a prop. And I'm worried about that. Yeah, well, the trouble is that they, in order to do this in three seasons, they got to diminish some characters. Sure. Absolutely. Um, Cole's a hard one, though, man. Well, I can see, I, I can, I mean, I, I, I wouldn't necessarily have thrown the flag in the writer's room, writer's, writer's room on this strategy because I, I kind of like the idea of setting up the big bosses of, of Rhaenyra versus Allison. I like the idea that, like, the greens aren't going to be quite as fractured as they were in the book. I think that's going to make it easier to follow on screen. I, I, I think it could work. I mean, look, I trust them. They've, they've done such a good job so far. I trust them. I get what you're saying, though, that could be problematic if he becomes so one-dimensional. He's nothing but like, hey, go sick him. That would suck, Durr. right? I get it. But I don't know, man. Where they have made changes so far, it's kind of made sense. And I, I trust the writers on this. Now, question. This, it this, is a massive change, though. You're 100% right about that. It's a massive change. And, and this, this, this is where we, you know, I have a bit of a divide that I fully understand of where your perspective is the writers have done well. So even though it's a massive change, they can make it work. My perspective is the main writer I trust is George R. R. Martin, and the farther you get away from him, the more nervous I get, just because of how much the he approved every he approved every script. He approved every script. He didn't he we didn't even know fucking when the scripts were being written in season seven and eight. Like he was so far removed. Yeah. They he, he has approved every single script. He's he likes the show. He likes it enough to go to Comic Con and, and rep for the show. So I think he's okay with it. I, but when I say it's a massive change, let me just be clear. Mm-hmm. I don't view him killing him. Him killing um, Joffrey at the at the reception, as opposed to the attorney, as the massive change. What I view as the massive change is what they're doing with Cole's character yes. and how he's much, much more so. stupid it's, and one dimensional and dumb. Yeah. Like that's the massive change. But I, 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 the, the difference in the attorney versus the dinner, I get the difference, not that big to me, but the difference in the character is huge. I agree. Uh, two last things. One, I think I think the show has very much proved that uh, you never want to be named Joffrey at a wedding. Nope. God help you. Mm, uh, two, bad more, news. This is more of a question, but a very high-rated comment on some, one of the Reddit subreddits was, I don't like how they're making Damon a murderer. <laughs> what? <laughs> making him? This they? Is 
do you feel that it's a change no. in terms of how they depicted Damon in this regard, being a ca- being you know willing to engage in, or possibly willing to engage in casual murder? No, I think that the difference that they've done with Damon, so all the shit that Damon has done is in line with the books. The difference is that they haven't given him the good moments because like in, in the rogue prince with where we, where we first got introduced to Damon, he's, he's not a, he's like 50, 50. And then like when you, by the time you get to fire and blood, it's a little closer to like 60, 40 bad to good, but there's still like, he has these moments like heroic, like genuinely heroic and kind moments, especially with regards to Renera. So we might get some of that later, but I think that they're not allowing his good to show, but the stuff, but his bad is the always been there. It's it, always been there. It's an interesting point you break out is where I'm correct. The, the rogue prince was the first thing that was written mm-hmm. basically on this subject matter. Mm-hmm. And you know, since then it's been Prince and the queen. It's been fire and blood. It's been the world. world no, it's, fire. Prince, it's princess of the queen, then world of ice fire, then fire and blood. Yeah. Okay. I think throughout that, there has been a constant increasing of the focus on the villainy of Damon as a character. Yeah, I agree. And I think the show has just now become the next data point and just making him even more of a villain. I hope that they will show some of his more positive traits because they have really played up. I, I see, I do see what you're saying and they, it could very, very well be the case, but they have played up. The one thing they've done in the show is they've made it clear that he has genuine, true affection for Rhaenyra. And maybe that that connection is where we'll see some of the heroic we, stuff. We need a time jump. We need a time jump to really explore that even more. And this would be an opportunity to do so. We've seen that he is brave. We've seen that he is determined. We can see that he can accomplish incredible things when he is properly motivated by, you know, sticking it to his brother and other possible reasons. Right. But that's all we've gotten of the more positive aspects of his character that historians and muses and scholars have written about before. We need more of that. And I'm hoping we'll get it. I agree, but the idea that they're quote making him a murderer—that's that's nonsense. Talk. That's somebody I, I just, who hasn't I just read the to check. Somebody who has like maybe read ten pages of the Rogue Prince and then didn't read any of the supplemental material because he's he's definitely a murderer in the blood books. and fucking cheese. He is definitely a murderer in the books. But I hope that they show him in a little bit more positive light. You're a thousand percent right on what they've done with Sir Kristen Cole's um, character, but I I'm not that worried about it because I trust the writers and I also enjoyed the episode more than you did. All right. I think I think we're ready for the next one, then. All right. Well, thanks for joining me, Spencer. This is a lot of fun. Thanks, everybody, for listening and hanging in there with us. We'll be back with you next week for, on Sunday night, our recap and just very quick uh, reaction to episode six. And then that Tuesday or Wednesday, we'll be back with a full episode where we go through the whole thing line by line, just like we did tonight. So thanks, everybody, for listening. Talk to you then.